beautiful night here in Newcastle. I don't know why I decided I wanted to sing, but I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood. Uh, that was John Lennon with Woman. And uh, the reason we decided to do that is because it were, apparently we got told before we started Mentally Sound, and obviously welcome, this is show eight of Mentally Sound right here on Gravity Radio North East, is that John Lennon, if he was alive today, will be celebrating his 75th birthday, which is kind of cool. Um, so I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, so apologies for being 10 minutes late. I will say, just because of the, the, the bounds of honesty, is that we had, there was a locked door problem, hence why it took a bit longer. <laughs> For us to get in, then it should have done. Uh, so I apologise if you've been waiting for ten minutes, but we're here, live, ready, willing, and able, as they say. But I would like to introduce, uh, as per usual, we have a different co-host every every month, and this is no different. I'd like you to introduce Mr. Ricky. Hello, sir. How you doing, Stephen? I'm good. How are you, good sir? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm all right. Excellent. Fine and dandy. How, how how are things since I last spoke? I mean, actually, one of the things that's Interesting is that um, I I did a podcast with said Ricky, so I actually seen him not too long ago. But how have you been since then? Well, you asked me um, how I felt in the last four days. Yes, yeah, indeed. well, after meeting you, uh, yeah, it did have a good effect on me. So I had a bit of spring. In my, I had a spring in my step. This That's week. what they all say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they all feel slightly better meeting me. No, um, but it was fun, wasn't it? I, um, Ricky showed me around where he's where he lives currently in Benwell. Uh, you did live there, didn't you? It wasn't just a new. In the there. very early days, yeah. Uh, do you still live there now? No, I just work there. Oh, okay, right. So that was you just decided to suggest that because that was the best place. Was yeah, it? it's still more or less my backyard. I would like to <laughs> your backyard. <laughs> your backyard. Your he owns Benwell, uh, all, is what he's saying. <laughs> um, so, in terms of, uh, did you enjoy that? Did you enjoy the podcast? It was we did, brilliant. By the way? Yeah, um, it was. Um, I mean, it got released yesterday. Actually, we promoted this very yeah, show. So, hopefully, big thanks be some... to uh, West End Library. Who, yes, um, they were very nice. Although, what did you think about the fact that we, we got interrupted a couple of times? That was very funny. <laughs> well, um, you know, they, they've got pre- precious commodities there. They want to protect. So, uh, no, the, the preciousness, Ricky, was that they wanted to get to. They wanted to get books back into a cupboard, which I think they could have waited for. <laughs> Um, but they decided to just go. It's okay to interrupt when we've got like a camera on and a yeah. and a and a and a big huge microphone in front of us. Yeah, sure. It's, it's Next time interrupt. it's a do not disturb sign. We need to work. But I made yeah. that point in the introduction for the podcast. I did it. Did it after the the, the podcast right. recording. Where yeah. I exactly. It's funny you say that because that's exactly what I said. Yeah. I turned around and said it's a bit like having a do do not disturb sign in a hotel because I don't know <laughs> how you feel because I'm going to um, London MCM London MCM London to do some media and. Yeah. I keep thinking of the fact that when you put a do not disturb sign on, it's like John Cleese has said this in interviews where he's like, you have this complete delusion that you actually like, oh, that's your room. Mm -hmm. When everybody outside of that room are trying everything within their power to get in said room. They want to restock the minibar. They want to close the curtains. Mm -hmm. And at one point he said he got a knock on the door. And this was two o'clock in the morning with a a, a guy knocking on the door who worked at the hotel going, is this sign meant to be here? (laughs) You you can't write that. Um, So you really do not own a a room in a hotel. Uh, No, you're right. There's no no privacy. I mean, it's more or less like a a B&B in a way. You're Mm going to get people knocking all the time and... Yeah, I definitely. Asking this, that, and the other. So, so I mean, that's actually interesting because we spoke on the podcast, mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, I'm a fan of Twitter as well. Yeah. And obviously, we're part of the social media, you know, world now, where everyone's kind of it's in some case or another online and using social media. Yeah. Um, you touched on that with privacy, and that intrigues me because what do you think about privacy? Do you think we've ca- we're kind of reaching the point now where privacy is not really respected or it's it's difficult to a- a- attain even like you know because i find it's not even just celebrities it's it's mm. hard to be private private at all these days do you agree with that well it's interesting because um 
and you're not on Facebook, are you not? So, no, I kind of am. I just have the because there's a, there's a feature um, on there that you know when you're sort of meeting people, you know, you got like maps and stuff where you can pinpoint where you are, and other people can see. Yeah, um, it, it is very much like a Hollywood movie in a way. I mean, social media has this thing where you have to almost tell people where you are at a certain time, what you're doing. I, I regard myself as a private person, but sometimes it's really hard to be that private when you've got you know. People might be curious what you're doing, what you're up to, and you know you send a, a tweet, no matter how private it is or not. Then, you know mm-hmm. you're there and there, you're exposed. So, I mean, yeah, it's something that I'm not. It's not. It's not a regular feature of my tweets to say what I'm doing right now, there and then, and you know take a picture of my meal and you know before I took in and yeah. stuff like that. But no, no, definitely. I, that is always the misconception people think about Twitter, as they think it's just. A bunch of people tweeting what they had for breakfast and various yeah. other things. It might have been that at the beginning, but it certainly yeah. isn't that now. I mean, I either tweet about what I'm doing with Geek Apocalypse mm-hmm. or um, what I'm feeling at the time. It's mm-hmm. never anything in between. Um, mm-hmm. I, I certainly don't promote other people without mm-hmm. without knowing them. You know, I'm not going to just, I, I, with a, for want of a better phrase, like sort of haul myself out to just <laughs> advertise anyone. You know, I, I, yeah. so I, I, I consider my retweets to be valuable, I, I guess is mm. what I'm saying. Mm. Um, I saw you actually, funnily enough, just before we move on, because we've got a bunch of pre-recorded stuff to get through, yeah. as well as live guests, which we'll touch on in a sec. Um, but I saw you were participating in, because I was watching the very thing, you were, you were participating in Prime Question Time. I saw oh, it was last I? Night. Yeah, right. I saw you, I saw the hashtags you had of them. Um, uh, yeah. you, were you watching? Were you watching and tweeting while you were watching? Do you know what it is? I think when you're politically minded, uh, yeah. um, question time is one. Of, it's, it's sort of like the the political match of the day, if you like. It's sort. <laughs> it's sort That's of highlights like highlights of the political landscape. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because not everyone can have access to uh, a local politician right. or a national no, politician right. for whatever reason. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not it's not a live show. I think it goes out an hour or two after it's broadcast, something like that. Uh, usually, um, I th- that's funny you say. I've done some live I've, ones before. I think, yeah, I've worked be... on some BBC productions where people assume it's live, yeah. and actually, yeah, they record it an hour before in case any editorial stuff goes mm-hmm. wrong, and they can correct it during the breaks. But um, yeah, you're quite right. Yeah, and it it does get very heated, and it does sort of garner reaction, and hence why I was a bit sort of tense last night after a few <laughs> things I've heard, but. I, just probably probably, I saw a tweet where you just went, like, bravo to the audience member or something, and that made me laugh. I was just it's like, often yeah. the audience members who are the best people on that yeah. show, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the one thing that annoys me about that show a little bit, I think they have sometimes too many guests because the audience member gets literally about 20 seconds to make a yeah. point. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard, unless you know how to speak in a public setting, to get yeah. your point across in that length of time. Mm-hmm. You're not, they're not trained to do that. So that's, that's mm-hmm. my only sort of slight criticism of that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, um, we must uh, talk about, obviously, what's coming up in the show. If you want to talk to us as well, you can do so at, at underscore mentally sound on Twitter. You can tweet to us. And uh, we have resident tweeter, Mr. Gareth, in the corner having a look. Uh, if you want to tweet us anything, you're more than welcome to do so. Um, but we have some pre-recorded stuff. Victoria um, has very kindly been uh, running around getting some pre-recorded stuff together. And the first one we're going to be talking about is the fact that um, Bootham Park Hospital closure, as in the hospital is being closed and the impact it's having on the northeast. Because obviously hearing a hospital close is obviously not good for someone who has mental health issues. And we want more hospitals to be closed, uh, to be open rather than closed. Uh, so that's a little bit frustrating. Um, so this is David Smith uh, from Mind, uh, recorded with uh, Victoria, uh, which Victoria, I can't speak, Ricky Help, which Victoria recorded. <laughs> Victoria. <laughs> which Victoria recorded uh, talking about the, the one closure. and only. The one and only. And that's happening now. Uh, 
Why is that playing now? I eventually got a paid job at Shelter. I became a manager at Shelter. I went on to manage an independent advice centre in Sheffield and went into specialist mental health services about 10 years ago. So we're talking today about the... Hi, uh, my name is David Smith and I'm the chief exec at Holland East Yorkshire Mind. The way that I got into the work that I do now was 20 years ago. I was actually living in Mansfield in Nottinghamshire at the time. I was, I'd been moved to Dundon. I was on the dole. I was living in a housing association flat and I didn't know what to do. And I went along to my local volunteer bureau and they looked at their list of what was available and told me that Shelter were looking for volunteers, the housing charity. So I went along to Shelter expecting to make soup for homeless people, not knowing much about the charity sector by then. And Shelter actually trained me in housing law and I ended up volunteering for three years at Shelter. I was absolutely broke the entire time, but it's absolutely changed my life. Uh, and it showed me a very different world out there, but a world where people can really make a difference and that with a little bit of knowledge we can change people's lives and those lessons that I learned 20 years ago have really stuck with me. I've, I've had some lucky breaks along the way. Uh, I eventually got a paid job at Shelter. I became a manager at Shelter. I went on to manage an independent advice centre in Sheffield and went into specialist mental health services about 10 years ago. So we're talking today about the recent news in York that the CQC have carried out an unannounced inspection at Bruton Park Hospital and made the really unusual decision to close the entire hospital. At the moment, we don't know the full reasons for why they've made the decision. We, we, we've seen the shock headlines that some of the ceiling fell down on the inspection team, which it, it, it is quite shocking to read it like that, and no doubt it raises a few giggles as well. Uh, I, I suspect that there is a lot more going on there. I, I can't imagine that the entire ceiling fell down, and... I find it hard to believe that a, a, bit, a little bit of the ceiling falling down would lead to the entire hospital being closed and the huge impact that they're going to have living on people in the city. Uh, I think for anybody that's been following this story in the York media, uh, it's been quite high profile. Uh, there's huge anxiety, huge concerns about those people that were staying in Bootham Park Hospital, where they're going to be moved to, how their needs are going to be met. Uh, a very large number of people have been very quickly reassessed and discharged, and I know that too is creating some concerns. There are longer-term issues that we also need to think about fairly quickly because many of those inpatients have been moved to units in other parts of the country, in, in the northeast and Middlesbrough is being talked about. And we know that there's a huge lack of mental health beds across the whole country anyway. So those patients being moved from York up to Middlesbrough will be filling the beds there. What, what, what are the vacancies going to be like now in Middlesbrough? Will, will that mean that people in the northeast who become unwell will have to go out of area because their local beds are being filled by people in York? The, the, the confusion is that we just don't know at the moment. There, there, there are so many questions. And what, what's really lacking is some really clear leadership on this. We, we've seen lots of the NHS bodies telling us how shocking this news is, how distressing this news is, but none of them have actually stood up and said, we are the ones that are responsible, we are the ones that are accountable, we are going to change things. We've heard from, heard from the police about how distressed they are by the news. It was only 
just over a year ago that the Section 136 suite, so that the health-based base, health based place of safety, opened at Bootham Park Hospital. Up until that point, York was the only place in the country where people were detained in police cells if they were picked up in the street by police officers, not for being criminals, just for being poorly. That facility had a £400,000 investment and it's already closed. There are some serious questions to be asked about the risk assessment prior to that investment being made and how quickly we can get, even if it's just that part of Bootham Park Hospital, how quickly we can get that reopened. There are alternative places in North Yorkshire, but people are going to be taken to Harrogate or to Scarborough. It's another town. It's so disruptive to people's lives and their support networks. This is shocking news. It's frightening news. We need to know quickly what's going to happen in the long term. We're just heightening people's anxiety and people's distress. And we've got to get those answers sooner rather than later. The CQC aren't even given us a timeline yet for when their report will be published. We've got to see that urgently. We've got to have full disclosure of what the inspectors found when they went into Bootham Park before we can start making plans for how we're going to solve this from now on. As I find out more information, I'll make sure it's on my Twitter feed. Uh, that's been quite active, uh, at David3012. Uh, if anybody's got any questions, if they want to tweet me, I'll try and answer them. If I can't answer them, I'll try and point you towards somebody else that will be able to. I also like to do a little bit of blogging from time to time on all sorts of things related to mental health, the charity sector, leadership, whatever grabs my interest, really. Uh, I have blogged about mental health services in York, and I have blogged about this particular issue at Booth and Park Hospital. Uh, if anybody's interested, the easiest way to find it is go to Google and just... Bitter Bruce Springsteen and Dancing in the Dark, and before that we had David Smith being recorded by the lovely Victoria here on Mentally Sound right here at Gravity Radio North East. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you are for the first time, you're very much welcome. And we have our first live guest, which is Awesome Awesome Source. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce uh, Les- Lexi. Am I saying that right? Lexi Thorpe. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hi. It's nice to be here. No, you're very, very welcome. Um, so you're here to talk about a number of different things. Uh, in particular, um, you got is it to do with university research? That's what I got told about. Um, yeah, is it other stuff so, in particular as well? Yeah. So I'm sort of a wannabe science communicator. I get really fed up with the way that psychology and mental health research in particular is portrayed in newspapers. Scientifically wrong, really prejudiced. Um, got really Couldn't agree more. So I kind of started to do it myself. Uh, yeah. No, that's cool. Um I totally agree. Is there, was there anything? Is there anything in particular in media outlets that you've seen as an example of where we've been sort of misrepresented in in mainstream media, or was it like a particular example, or was it just in general? Um, in general, just I think the the science section just gets completely trodden on by editors who have agendas, and the science just goes out of the window. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because I remember I, I don't know whether you remember this. I think you were the one that brought it up, Ricky. Was about um, the 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 plane the plane crash where the mm. where the, the the pilot went and it was he was accused of you know they having mental health issues yeah. with the reason that and we debated this on this very show. So it kind of if that's a great example of where they just it was depression everywhere in every headline and it just seemed like they were adding like coming up with something to blame as opposed to looking more deeply into the into the reasons behind yeah. it, um, which is always interesting. I think that's quite ironic as well, because I get the feeling that people do that because they want to blame these accidents on something that's really removed from <laughs> everyone else in society. But yeah. it's kind of ironic, because 
mental health is so commonplace absolutely so what was it was it your particular experiences do you have a mental health problem yourself if you don't mind me asking um, um, I do kind of have a phobia actually but I wasn't really pissed about that <laughs> okay no that's fine I just wanted to ask like yeah. what I was ref- what I was hinting at was that what what, what I, I guess the, the more broader question was to ask you what inspired you to be passionate about this in the first place um, yeah well studying psychology being interested in, in clinical psychology mm-hmm. um but also really liking science, I just um, like to find ways to represent mental health well, um, kind of using science and scientific research and making sure that it kind of gets that two-way communication between mm-hmm. camps are important. So what do you think in particular people do wrong in regards to you know science in particular with mental health issues? What do you think is portrayed wrong in particular? I think the scientists involved in the research aren't really... Um, involved enough in how their research gets publicised so they mm-hmm. get a really a really inaccurate version goes through the papers yeah. and it's just not really helpful there's so much research going on and nobody hears about it mm-hmm. in a kind of correct and informed way mm-hmm. Do you have any particular examples of where it's sort of misrepresented or is it just kind of oh, across the board because I, I, I know this in my own I know this in my own experiences that um, that it's it, it very often misrepresented. I have mm-hmm. bipolar disorder, and whenever I read anything bipolar, we're actually going to talk about a story later in the show about um, a very famous case about Sam Kellerman, who um, got killed and by a boxer who claimed he had bipolar disorder, and that was the reason for killing a person, which I have a massive problem with because I'm not gonna, I'm not a murderer, and I, I don't really like that that way it, it was described. So it's we're going to same with this. PTSD. Actually, yeah. you hear a lot of, you know, especially soldier-related deaths people going off on one and they automatically think PTSD mm-hmm. when it's just like, you know, it's just an obvious one to hit really. And Do you think that's part of the problem, Lexi? Do you think it's a case of that people think it's too, that they want to oversimplify something and just claim mm-hmm. that it's this thing, it must be mental health? Do you think that's kind of what's portrayed in society? Yeah, I think there is um, a bit of that going on as well. And, you know, we're still so far away from understanding completely and having the answer to everything mm-hmm. that it's just not helpful to try and simplify it that much yeah i mean so i i've been t- I, in my notes i got told that you said you had a series what uh, what's the series good question so <laughs> i'll be taking um a new piece of research um each time um and yeah sort of discussing what the researchers have found and what that may or may not mean mm-hmm. so where's the series uh, gonna be is it on the internet or on here. Oh, it's on here. Oh, I did not know that. You, I did not know that at all. Um, um, I, I just assumed it was like uh, that you were promoting something else. It's actually. Oh, I didn't realise this. Okay. Well, that's why I'm. In, that's why I'm. Uh, be, that's why I'm curious. I, I figured this out. If I hadn't asked, then no one would have known. Uh, but yeah. So, oh, that's that's interesting. So it's going to be over a series of time. So it's over a, a, a like show after show. You're going to. It'll be a good feature, actually. Yeah, that yeah. sounds. I'm, mm. I'm excited to know that I'm going to hear it now <laughs> on this very show. Um, so, so as as you said, is it going to be? Are you going to focus on a particular topic every every time, or is it like a particular specific thing? Or um, I would probably go with different um, things. So today I have a paper about antidepressants. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. quite quite controversial. I think people have quite kind of um, preconceived ideas about whether or not they're in favour of them. Mm-hmm. So it might be interesting. Do you have a research. do you have a do you have a personal opinion on that or? Because it's, it's something I, 
I'm strong about because I've been on antidepressants a great deal of my life so I'm really intrigued to know what you think yeah I think it's one of those things unless you've been in that situation you can't really judge or decide what what you would do um, I don't know if you saw the Medicated and Mighty campaign last mm-hmm. week on Twitter yeah, yeah, that yeah. was really great because often I think the people who are kind of anti-medication are a bit more vocal and, mm-hmm. and should be heard and that's that's their opinion that's that's fine but yeah I think there's two kind of very um, set camps mm-hmm. um, so it's quite controversial um, um, it also says that you're interested in talking about the, the serotonin theory I'm really intrigued to know can you explain that it, it says in the most simplest thing I'm quite a science guy so I'm quite intrigued to know uh, <laughs> but do tell us for those that are, are not of uh, science minded what that is yeah so this this paper that I picked um, I thought was really interesting because it does kind of count towards the evidence against the serotonin theory so the serotonin theory of depression um, is that, ser- that low levels of serotonin mm-hmm. would cause depression because most antidepressants raise the levels of serotonin mm-hmm. in the brain. Um, the problem with that is that it's actually starting to look like that elevated serotonin is not actually what's causing the depression or um, what's alleviating the depression. It seems to be just sort of a byproduct mm-hmm. of what's actually going on yep. um, because we haven't been able to induce depression in people by taking away or like drastically reducing their serotonin which you would kind of expect if it was responsible mm-hmm. um, but the serotonin theory is quite popular because it's simple it's been around for a very long time since antidepressants were discovered in the 60s and it it's just something that's captured the public imagination uh, to to expand on that to compare that to my experiences is to say one of the things that i always bring up with bipolar disorder this is just to paraphrase it to what I know about mental health is to say one of the issues I think to deal with something like bipolar disorder and it happens I think across a wide spectrum of mental health is that you very often find that they'll treat the symptoms not the cause and in my case it was I got flooded with a bunch of antidepressants put together because I was getting more and more depressed but the underpinning of it was I was having, you know, violent mood swings and they were dealing with the depressive side of it, not realizing that it's not. So basically, I'm the, the, a lot of the time when you're in extreme situations like I was in, I was in the psychiatric ward, was that they deal with the symptoms because that is the thing that the first thing you see, whereas the underpinning is a lot more that is the root of the problem. But they they very often in a very archaic sense, which I think you were spot on when you said it's, a, you know, when theories like this always crop up because they want it to be simpler than it is. Um, do you agree with the assertion that a lot of this helping, because, you know, obviously one of the reasons you want to do research is to help people and get better treatment. Do you think part of the understanding, not just from people who have mental health but don't, is to do with that it really comes down to trial and error. It's, it is really finding what works for each individual because I think we generalise it far too much, is that fair to say? Yeah, and obviously psychology researchers are guilty of that too because we kind of have to study groups in mm-hmm. order to find anything that's useful. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when, when it comes down to dealing with patients, that's not always mm-hmm. going to work. But I think more research and finding out more about these drugs can help us to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you like the fact that it that obviously the stuff that you're part of and you're passionate for like passionate with do you think the fact that it you know that it helps people in a wider context is that is that motivation to, to want to do it as well as the fact that you obviously you clearly enjoy it yeah definitely mm-hmm. it's, 
Do you ever hear any back from anyone, or do you, or do you, or do you or like as in do you, what I mean is that do you ever hear the you know because I, I for one appreciate the fact that you're doing stuff like this is does do you get told that or is it just a case if you do it for the sake of you enjoy it? Yeah, it doesn't really matter to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, maybe that'll change if being part with us. You know, you might you, that might help. Um, well, I'm really excited to hear that. You got any questions, Ricky? Because I know I've, I've said a great deal. I, I think it's really interesting. Um, going back to, I was interested in the point you made about the media, um, mainstream media. How do you feel that contributes to a lot of the stigma re- regarding mental health that we get, sort of in the press every day? In terms of, does it, as as, as Stephen said, with the, uh, the the example of the plane crash and the media, that the outburst that happened then, how much do you think they're guilty of? you know, rectifying stigma around mental health? Well, that's kind of an interesting one because we don't know if they are doing this deliberately or if they genuinely mm. believe that because of... Could it just be lack of lack of research or just... Good. I think it's, it's that the research isn't getting out there. Mm. Okay. Sorry, yeah, carry so on. <laughs> what was that? Sorry, you just, uh, yeah, sorry, I was just removing the mic, so sorry, what was I, I misheard what you said there, Lexi. No, I just think the research isn't really getting out there to change people's attitude. Mm-hmm. It's still quite closed off, um, locked away in universities. I know it's like a really, really difficult question to ask, and I'm not expecting you to be the whole grand design of this, of, to have the, the, like, the definite answer in this, but what do you think fundamentally needs to change? Like, what do you think is the best solution for getting the right research out there in your in your opinion i think everyone needs to collaborate together so researchers policy makers service users clinicians mm-hmm. i think until everyone's talking to each other and respecting each other mm-hmm. things the, the same garbled messages are going to be rattling around for ages mm-hmm. uh, do you think also as well because whenever i debate with people like you know whether it be my parents or whatever it may be who have like sort of these archaic theories that don't really have credence do you think part of the part of the the difficulty is also to 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 have the the courage to say that you that people like them are wrong because I often get very because you often get downtrodden in because when if 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 a, I guess the point I'm saying is if a theory is regarded as fact in the general population whenever you say that's wrong and I know it's wrong because I've read the research you've kind of got to got the courage to keep saying it's wrong even though that the general population mm-hmm. think you're wrong um is that part of the battle as well yeah so people are awful for latching onto anything that confirms what they already believe we're yeah. quite rigid beings and we don't like such a great point that's such generally. a great point yes so that that is a struggle but that's just because we're human mm-hmm. it's just one of those things unfortunately awesome so in terms of the in terms of the series you're doing now that we know on this very show <laughs> um when are you starting do you is it going to be next show hopefully i have a paper right now Ooh, very good so so this paper was looking at um how antidepressants might work mm-hmm. particularly why it might actually take three weeks for them to start working a lot mm-hmm. of people report and in that time obviously symptoms can also get worse yep so it's quite a pressing thing to investigate um so instead of looking at um, neurons and synapses, which is where serotonin is active, mm-hmm. they actually looked at a different kind of brain cell um, called an astrocyte. So these are tiny little star-shaped yeah. cells. They, scientists thought that they would basically just hold up neurons and provide sort of a frame for them to grow, but they, they do seem to be doing more things that we don't really know much about. Mm-hmm. So they sort of created a live culture of these astrocytes and fed them amitriptyline. Mm-hmm. So it's a tricyclic. Um, works in a really similar way to modern antidepressants. Um, I've been on amitriptyline. 
really bad side effects. Uh-huh. Um, one of the things it one of the things it did for me, um, it's supposed to decrease anxiety, isn't it? Um, it's it's also used to kind of decrease by panic attacks and 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 various other things, but. If that's not something you have a regular symptom of, it is also a symptom of it in itself, which is very confusing. So I know quite a great deal about this. Um, it, and there, like most drugs of that nature that can have severe side effects, like you say, you can only take a limited amount over a certain period of time. Um, and it can, you can, there's very common cases of amitriptyline becoming addictive because you think it retroactives the brain into thinking that you need it every day. Um, it, so it has an addictive quality to it. If it, if it combats the panic attacks so you find yourself on it too much because when i was on it i could only take it for a couple of days and then have to not take it because it so yeah i know quite a great deal about that particular drug yeah, um, so not an ideal drug um, yes. but i think for the purpose of the, of the experiment it was readily available yeah. and useful to use um so when they gave amitriptyline to these cells um the production of two kinds of proteins uh, was increased so a transcription factor and a growth factor and this growth factor um, actually encourages new neurons to grow. Uh-huh. Um, so it seemed like the antidepressant was working in these astrocytes to make new neurons, which seemed to be associated with depressive symptoms mm-hmm. um, easing off in kind of other research cases were mm-hmm. not in animals. Um, but they did try the same experiment with neurons and nothing happened, nothing changed. Mm, so it seems to be these new kinds of cells that are key in um, the effect of antidepressants. Mm-hmm. Um, they did also repeat the experiment with other antidepressants just to check that amitriptyline worked in the same way, and yeah. it seemed to also um, cause these proteins to increase. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so whole new avenues of research. Yeah, well, I mean, that? exactly. I mean, because in a really, if you think about it in a really basic sense, which is why, you know, as you were describing that, I was thinking of, you know, there's so many people who get put on antidepressants because you know it's it's second it's it's thinking twice about a situation and thinking beyond the very simplistic nature of things and you know and obviously science does that and one of the things that frustrates me in this in this particular example is you know if you go to a gp and they give you antidepressants they people assume a gp is 100 percent correct in that diagnosis not realizing that the way that the system works they have to give you a diagnosis when you walk in there so that is flawed logic to think that because the fact that it's supposed to be a certain percentage of people are supposed to be depressed in their life or have a mental health issue, and yet on average per year, it is for, there's far more people being diagnosed with depression than is statistically likely to happen. Now that yeah. determines a very, very safe, educated guess to say that there's too many people being overdiagnosed with depression because they are un, they are sad or in general just unhappy with their life, which is a natural response and going to get a quick fix like antidepressants. And why it's so great you reading out what an antidepressant does is no one thinks of what it does, you know, the chemical imbalance and the the chemical activity it does in your brain and the changes it makes. They just assume you take a pill and everything's going to be better. So the fact that you delve into that in a more, in a wider context and in a more scientific way is far more valuable than that because everyone just wants a quick fix, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, so that's very very interesting um, so is the idea of you're going to do more examples of that scientifically in terms of what is it always going to be medication based I guess is what I'm asking not necessarily mm-hmm. no um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm quite interested in how we work out what these disorders actually are how they're different to each other mm-hmm. um, because there's so much overlap in sort of the, yeah. the diagnostic manual and Absolutely. It, doesn't, it doesn't really work 
and the way things are at the moment and you know, the risk of comorbidity once you've got one problem the chance of having more it just um, goes upwards really rapidly so I'm quite interested in how we actually define oh, each disorder that's such I, I would happily discuss Great. that with you because um, <laughs> going into philosophy really, um, but, yeah. very often I, I just wanted to to clarify how right you are in that assertion is to say when I was going through being diagnosed, I've, I've been diagnosed as at the, having bipolar disorder. And that seems the based on being diagnosed with that and leading up to that now, it seems to me obvious that's what I have in it. And it because of all the, the things that it associates with. But to clarify what you just said, you know, it, you get given the same test sheet as you do for a certain number of disorders. And it's how you answer questions. And if you get like maybe one or two of them boxes, you tick thinking that kind of does apply to me but doesn't that could be the difference between you being diagnosed as having something to something mm-hmm. else because bipolar disorder has similar symptoms to severe depression to um borderline personality disorder to schizophrenia and um, because there's moments where and what a lot of people don't realize is you can have severe depression which can lead to having bipolar disorder if untreated so there's so many avenues of because i think people don't seem to understand we're all on the same spectrum and it's how we end up there is what leads to what we've got. So you're so spot on because I'm thinking of all the times I've sat with doctors going, now we need to go over why you are feeling this way. And I'm going, and, and that's why with bipolar disorder, you've got to talk about the happy side of it as well. The fact that I do have days where I feel like I want to go to India and just transfer everyone there, and <laughs> which is completely irrational. But, you know, you feel on top of the world and you feel that you can do anything you want. And and you don't talk about that because you don't, as um, Stephen Fry has said, in that instance, you don't you don't want to say you've got a problem because why would you? Because everyone wants that feeling. You know, it's better than any drug you can possibly take. So why would you turn around and say that? Oh, I don't have I don't have an issue. Why I'm feeling great? Um, it's only when you realise it's overly great and irrational that you need to to talk about it. That sounds awesome. Well, good luck with everything, and obviously, um, it's so great that you're going to be collaborating with us, and that's awesome. Is there anything you want to? Mention before we no, it's just really interesting. I was just really interesting. I was just sitting here making a list of all the uh, prescriptions I've been on. Yeah, because I've got uh, my. I need a crib sheet for my. (laughs) I mean, I was in my teenage years. I was sort of given Prozac as well, but it wasn't until after I was diagnosed with PTSD. I was on um, lithium. Is a lithium. I was on one called one point is the worst for me. Mine was called citalopram. You know citalopram. But everyone I've been on, and the last, the last one I'd been on a few years ago was uh, propranolol, and both of them were sort of anti-anxiety meds. And to be honest, it didn't really work well with me. In fact, it made me a hell of a lot worse. So mm-hmm. my my sort of you know thing in life now is to um, do anything physical. So I've took up exercise again to, to you know. But if someone says to me, um, you know, what's your opinion on antidepressants and medication like that? The last thing I'm going to say is, no, don't go on them because it was bad for me because it's it's about, for you, what works for you, you know, and I know a lot of people where it's really worked well for them. Yeah, just because you have a bad experience with antidepressants or whatever it is, I I, I always encourage people never say that that means that they're wrong. I meet meet so many people who go, I can easily do that with what I was on. Mm. But the the fact is, is that I got given something that just hurt me. It's a trial and error thing. I don't blame Mm. the people for trying to help me, but it's still, it's still, um, you know, it's it's a fact that it hurt me, Mm -hmm. what I got given. But also, it doesn't mean that that drug can ha- not help someone else. Mm. That's the key point. Yeah, I don't think um, anyone should be made to feel 
guilty for doing something that helps them. It's amazing yeah. that there's so many people. Do you ever have this experience, Lexi, when you know people will, will show that they're on antidepressants and you get responses of... I remember being at a friend's house growing up where she showed an anti, she showed a, um, a, an antidepressant bottle and mm. it was at, like the people in the room kind of did the whole like... <gasps> feeling like oh my god she's really struggling like you know it's mm-hmm. a, like it's a, almost like a sin or something that you're mm-hmm. on these things you know it's like you're a you're a lesser person for need for for basically showcasing that you need help it was like i was telling you earlier in the week Stephen. like yeah. when my father found out i was on antidepressants he, he confiscated them because yeah there's, a, there's a shame story, element on, about yeah. it as well it's yeah. like you know no one in my family is going to be on on these you know it's sort of yeah my yeah i remember you said on the podcast that like it was what was it? The, word, the, the very powerful point you said, where where he said, "My son, that my son's much stronger than that." Yeah, absolutely. This was the phrase he said, and I found yeah. that endlessly fascinating because mm. I had the same thing my, when I told my mom. My mom basically said, "How could you do this to us?" Is that, that what was, she said? That was, that was really? my mom's. That was my mom's exact phrase when I told her that I was crying mm. every day and couldn't carry on, mm. and uh, she just said, "How can you do this to us?" As if it was the worst thing I ever said. <sighs> Because um, I I always kind of semi joke that and go, what I actually said was I hate Newcastle Brown Ale because if you say that here, yeah, that's just as bad. <laughs> <laughs> Which I do, I know exactly. I just got frowned on. <laughs> um, there's people just giving me bad looks now. Uh, anyway, uh, we must carry on. But that huge thank you for coming in. That's, it's, it was really it's, interesting. That was thank really you. Interesting. Yeah, we look forward brilliant. for you to be yeah. part. We look forward to be part of the show more regularly. Um, uh, thanks a lot. Um, are you on Twitter or anything? Do you want to plug? I am on Twitter, uh, yeah. I'm just as Lexi with an E underscore thought also with an E. All right, cool. So um, please do follow her on Twitter and uh, thanks for coming in. Much appreciated. Um, thanks a lot. Um, so, yeah, that was um, Lexi Thorpe talking about, uh, um, obviously, university research and various other things. She's going to be part of the show more often, which I've just found out now through, mm. through curiosity. Um, so she's going to be more involved. But we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play Elton John. I'm still standing right here on Gravity Radio Northeast. And you're listening to Mentally Sound. Welcome back to Mentally Sound. That was Aretha Franklin with Say a Little Prayer, which is kind of appropriate with what we're about to talk about. Um, it's not It's not religion, before anyone says. No. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky, have you got something to announce about that? <laughs> oh, you it's can't beat a bit of Aretha. Actually, maybe. on the way here, I actually saw a sign. I don't know you guys may have seen it when you came in, is that there's a guy on the Fumbling Street saying, if you find Jesus, all will be well. Um <laughs> And um, I just went, maybe I should look into that. Maybe I should. <laughs> it's nice to be known. And then straight after that was the Coca-Cola thing about find your happiness with Coca-Cola, I know, which is what we were talking about before the show started. But anyway, I'm, I'm just enjoying enjoying. They time. come in all forms. Yes, the <laughs> happiness comes in all forms, basically, yeah. I guess, the point of that story. But, <laughs> but anyway, um, I've been really looking forward to this because just off air before we started talking about this, I was seeing how important this is because I'll freely admit uh, we're going to talk about Samaritans and uh, the that's something I remember used to be a kind of butt of a joke when I was growing up, as in it was kind of not treated seriously as if yeah. if you got if you found yourself struggling and rang Samaritans, it was like you had no friends or it was uh, you know I, I I remember seeing it in comedy shows as kind of the butt of the joke, and now I'm well. There's I'm, a, there's a line in Faulty Towers which mentions them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's actually one of my favorite shows, Red Dwarf, does a joke about that, yeah. um, which I didn't like at the time because, as I say, I know for experience how important Samaritans the job it does. Yeah. Um, so I'm delighted to say we have two guests from Time Out Samaritans right here in the studio right now. So I'd like you guys to welcome to the show Caroline and Pat from Time Out Samaritans. Hello, guys. Hello there. Hi. It's nice to be here. I'm Caroline, and this is my colleague. 
Hi, I'm Pat, and it's Tyneside Samaritan. Did it Tyneside? Did I say Tynemouth? Sorry, I beg your pardon. Um, my dis- <laughs> that was that was my dis- that that could easily be my dyslexia. Um, I very often I very often I very often look at things and go, that's what that says. It still looks like it says Tynemouth, so it must be my <laughs> it must be my dyslexia. Playing words at it. Thanks, man. That's um, okay. Well, we do. We cover Newcastle and Gateshead, North Tyneside, and a tiny little bit of Northumberland. South That's of the, cool. Of that, the A um, sixty nine. So, um, um, so I guess yeah. the the most that that's obviously really good to know. That was something I would have touched on. Is obviously where whereabouts you what parts you cover uh, in particular area. But one of the things I guess the, the the most obvious place to start is what in particular you guys do within the organisation. So what in particular? Uh, we'll start with you, Caroline. Well, we're we're both listening volunteers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, something in the region of around about one hundred and ten or so um, listening volunteers. We are, um, our service runs 24 mm-hmm. 7. Uh, so there is always somebody at the end of a phone. Uh, we also uh, um, uh, have an email system and also a text system. And people can come in to our branch, which is in Jesmond, mm-hmm. uh, for a face to face chat if they want to from 9 in the morning until 9 in the evening every day. And yes, that does include Christmas Day. Wow, because wow. we're often asked that. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna, I was, get, I was gonna get to that, but I just wanted to know, Pat. How about you? Are you, are you in the same boat? Are you, are you just a, a listener volunteer as well? Or? Um, yes, I'm a listening volunteer, but also help on the training team when the volunteers come in. It's, it's quite a long induction mm-hmm. before people can actually go on the phone. We need to, you know, have a lot of training before we can go on the phone and speak to people who are in despair. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just come off an overnight, so I'm not feeling really sort of zappy today. But uh, <laughs> I was, I, I really, I, I, I was, I was worried you were going to say suicidal there, which made, would have made no. no, no, no. I was really like, let's not go there. Like, <laughs> you bring your own place you work for. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Had a face to face in last night, so um, you know people can come in to the branch up until nine o'clock at night. Do you think that's there's a couple of questions that shout out to me, which I'd love you to answer because uh-huh. I, I already know this, but there might be people in the wider context of people who I, I, I think it's safe to say probably most people listening to this will know will hear the name Samaritans and know at least what it's about. But there's a couple of things I remember growing up that I think. Um, well, am I right in saying that it was never always 24 hours? Because I'm sure at some point it wasn't. Am I wrong in saying that? Because for some reason I'm thinking it might be another another helpline charity I'm thinking of. But was Samaritans always 24 hours, or is that just a recent thing? Yeah, I'll let Caroline answer yeah, that one. Yeah, I can, I can maybe, uh, maybe sort of clarify that. Yeah. Um, Samaritans as an organisation has been going since 1953. It yes. started down in London mm-hmm. with Chad Vara. Uh, incredibly inspirational person and for about five years it was just in London and then it began to to branch out around the country Um, our branch uh, in Newcastle uh, opened in 1963 so we Sorry, 1965, get it right. 1965. Mm-hmm. So we are celebrating 50 years this year, uh, which is um, which is, yeah. is quite something. Um, and um, I, we have been 24-7 for probably about 40 of those um, 60 okay, years so it wasn't, overall. So, uh, okay. yeah, yeah. Well, maybe it was just one of these myths that came along that maybe just someone said that it wasn't and then it's just kind of been passed on in, inaccurately, which is why I asked you the very question. Yeah, I mean, um, certainly now anybody who, who contacts us at any time of the day or night will get 
um, a trained volunteer at the end of a telephone. The reason I find that incredibly uh, important from my perspective, if I talk in a personal sense because it's the most appropriate, is to say, you know, if, if you have a mental health issue like I do, you can't sort of, you know, one of the things that I find ridiculous about about certain places that have I'm only open this time is that that's almost like, well, I've got to make sure I have a breakdown at this time mm-hmm. so that people can listen. Because mm-hmm. in particular with mental health charities that do this kind of thing is that's the case is that they're not around on weekends, which notoriously in a very basic sense is the most stressful time. Um, or could be late at night when you're alone and there's no one else around and that can lead to your symptoms being worse. So, you know, the worst times... I feel, which is not uncommon, is usually during the times that people like these aren't open to be talked to. So um, I, I find that very, not necessarily reassuring because I'm in a good place right now. And I'm just saying that it's good to know that I imagine that feeling for some people would make it easier to call, knowing that it's always there, if you see Absolutely. what I mean. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, certainly we do get uh, a, a large number of calls in the early hours of the morning. Mm-hmm. Three o'clock in the morning is a very lonely time if you're yeah. not feeling mm-hmm. too good. Especially if you can't sleep and yeah. you're overtired. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and we are we are there for, for people at that time, as mm-hmm. well as other times. But certainly um, the early hours of the morning... Um, are, are tough, and it's important as well to say that everything that comes through any of our, whether it's phone calls, emails, text messages, it is absolutely confidential within mm-hmm. Samaritans. Very true. Um, have you, have you, is there anything you want to talk about in relation to Samaritans? Do you have I, a grow, do you ever grow up with knowing about Samaritans at all before you? Just going by what you said before, mm-hmm. it was always kind of like the butt of jokes in it, which is really unfair. And mm-hmm. now that the tide is turning, where we all are talking about mental health and. And Samaritans, yeah. Samaritans to me look more sort of in reinforced or enforcing kind of stronger um, organisation to, to to be trusted upon. Um, so I'm really glad about that. But I wanted to ask um, regarding training you mentioned before. Um, what goes into that? And if there's any other budding sort of people who want to volunteer, what what, what advice do you have for them? Right. Okay. Well, I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll I'll let Pat talk to you about the training itself, mm-hmm. and then I'll come back yeah. maybe with with some contact details. Okay. Yeah. Because that's really a good question. Because yeah, I always assumed you didn't have to be trained. So that's a you know that that maybe may be an ignorant. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. you can imagine the people who are ringing us um, yeah. could be suicidal. Mm-hmm. Um, all it makes sorts sense. Of different yeah. Problems. Yeah. You couldn't just sit down on the phone mm. and talk to them. So. We have um, we have a, a very lengthy process actually, which after selection is a ten week course, mm-hmm. and then um, they go onto the phones. But first of all, they'd be listening to experienced volunteers, yep. and then they go onto the telephones with an experienced volunteer listening in. All right, so it's sort of like a. A, a period of time to climatize into the situation yes. that makes a lot of sense yeah um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't apply for a lot of people we get lots of people who want to be volunteers for samaritans mm-hmm. but it's really quite hard and a lot of people just can't sit down and talk to people who want to end their lives or self-harming mm. i mean there's a lot of things mm. happening out there that, that is um my curiosity my curiosity is to the question of how often do you find people who want to do the training and want to help who find themselves unable to do it is that more common than you would it think happens yes yeah. uh, you know people think oh i'll just be a volunteer and they volunteer for different agencies mm. and come along to us before they ever start the training yeah they, they're given the hard facts 
and a lot of people do back out. Yeah, but I can imagine. Don't, and it's very, very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there a? I mean, I know this may be a, a too broad of a question to answer, you know, accurately. But is there a shortage of people who do you need to help volunteer in? What's the volunteer structure like now? Is it? Do you have enough people for the demand or? We are always welcome, welcoming people who would <laughs> like to be volunteers. If the right people for Samaritans, yeah, just apply. I can imagine in one of them situations where the more people, you, you're always going to accept, you want at least more people because the demand, you, it's an unknown quantity of people that you're going to need, you know. That's that's very fair. So in terms of uh, one of the reasons that you wanted to, to come on in particular, some of the stuff you wanted to talk about in, is in relation to, which annoys me to hear, but I imagine there's a reason behind it, is that there's some um, helplines being closed. Is that right? Or that there's, or is it just a changing of helplines? Is that is that maybe the notes are a little too literal there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. Everything's closing there's, down. There's, there's no phone lines closing whatsoever. It's just a change. It's just a change. Um, it's, a, yeah. it, it's a change. And just just building up just a little bit then on, on something that Pat was saying about yep. our listening volunteers and people actually who perhaps don't feel they want to be listening volunteers because they don't feel they can cope with it. Mm-hmm. We also have support volunteers, and those people, you know, help us to raise money and yep. to keep the, mm. you know, to keep the place going. So even if people don't feel that they want to be listening volunteers, we, you know, we really need those skills as well. And, and we've got, uh, you know, phone numbers. I get what you're saying. That they, they might not, if they might not, they don't necessarily be able to listen, but they can help in other ways. I absolutely. guess is the point. Yes, absolutely, yeah, of course. But the the big change, which actually came about as from the twenty second of September, mm-hmm. was that we now have a free call number. Nice, and that is one one six one two three. It's a it's a really nice, easy number to remember. Um, the our our old number, which was an 0800 number. If anybody does ring that they will get that opportunity and they'll get the new number. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that is there. But it's that launch of of the free call number, mm-hmm. free phone number, um, which has seen a significant rise. I think it was... It's about 85%. Yeah, uh, 85% wow. increase of calls. Now, even before that happened, yes. we reckoned that we were going to be heading for around about 40,000 contacts this year. Through mm-hmm. phone, email, text, and and face to face. So I, I I dread to think what the numbers are going to look like next. But you know, that's that's why we're there. That's mm-hmm. what we want that includes social media as well. Mm-hmm. No, uh, we well we don't have we don't have a Facebook page. We're okay. not allowed a Facebook page. Thereby hangs a long tail. Mm. But uh, can, that we, makes sense in my my eyes. <laughs> but yeah, well, it does. Yeah. It does. But we do have a Twitter yeah. account. Mm-hmm. And that's more just for promoting what we do mm-hmm. and the fact that we're there and promoting our number um, and, and things like that. So, so that, that's at times side sounds. I imagine with the, with the, obviously you've got to be as, as welcoming as possible because the other side of the coin is someone who, if they're in a difficult position, may feel reaching out to someone they don't know, regardless of with the brand of Samaritans, even regardless of that. You know, you, you may the, the question I'm getting to is to say that you've got to have as much avenues to be able for them to speak to you as possible. So I imagine, you know, is it is it a case of because you mentioned the phone number obviously, which is great to hear. But um, you mentioned texting. Is it like is the so is the is the premise I guess that you want to branch out as many different avenues for people to talk so the comfortable level that they want to have 
is it is it is attainable? I guess is yeah. the question. I mean, our our texting system, generally speaking, it's probably younger people who contact yeah. us on that. Mm. Um, and uh, our text number, and I always have to look at this because I can never remember it. But um, <laughs> <That's> I, <fine. laughs> I don't know my own. I don't know my. I don't know my own number. So don't worry about that. Yeah. Um, it's it's zero seven seven two five nine zero nine zero nine zero. Okay. So great. that's that's the text. Uh, um, number. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that gets pretty well, that gets picked up and responded to within about 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, is it always quicker. a lie? Is it always, I mean, I guess the next question is someone might think, is this an automated thing or is it yep. literally someone reads it and responds as accordingly? Absolutely. Um, it's a, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, go for it, Pat. Um, having just come off the night shift last night, it, the text was busy all through the night. Mm-hmm. And um, what happens is it's it's a centralised text, so it goes to different... Whoever wants to pick it up from the um, 201 branches that we have throughout the country, it's picked up, but we're always known as Joe. So every Samaritan is known as Joe. I was going to ask that, is the anonymity about it, yeah. 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 And, and we get straight back to the people who text in, and they can be people who... Um, may have a speech impediment or some problem, but mainly young people don't want to be heard on the telephone yep. or traced by their parents mm-hmm. or people they live with. Might be scared, um, it's yeah. It's more private mean. for them to text. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they've got their phone with them all the time now, so they can just text and we will get straight. I, I totally understand that because, you know, if you think about it in everyday situations, not just extreme you know, needing to talk to Samaritans, you know, there could be a situation where you want to talk to, like, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm making a base example to compare it is to say, you might want to talk to a friend, but you you just, you're so not wanting to talk over the phone that you maybe just want to start with communicating via text. And it's one of the advantages of texting is that you, you it's the open start of dialogue, basically. So that's, I totally understand that. And um, one of the other things that I've noticed that more and more charities are getting into now is, inter- is internet chat. Is that something Samaritans are looking into or is that not at the point right now? Not that, not that we're aware of. I have to say. I mean, we know we have a central office, as as all these places do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, that's not something that uh, that that I think we we've heard of. We do have an email system as well, mm-hmm. which which also is Joe is always yeah. Joe, and 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 that is Joe at Samaritans dot org. Okay. Um, and um, emails sometimes take a little bit longer to come back. The reply, but again, it's not an automated service. Um, and it will be uh, a trained volunteer who will respond to that email, uh, and uh, just to talk through. I guess my my, the, the, my my uh, sort of ambivalence about this is to say the question like, if if it, if everything take the the example that you say that you're all called Joe, they're they're all called Joe in this sense. How is it? Is it guaranteed that if someone answers an email, that it'll be the same person during the whole conversation? Because that implies that it might that that could be a case of that there's a group of people. So I guess the point I'm making is that is the person needing the help is surely they would want to be known that at least there's one person talking to you consistently. Is that how it works? I guess by you saying that, or is it just a, a group of people that answer? It? Every so often, I don't know. I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah, yeah, no, no, and I can understand. You know, we can understand what you're saying from that one. Um, we are all trained yeah. to respond, whether it's email or text or phone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it isn't necessarily the same volunteer who will pick up. But we we can see um, emails that have gone back over the last thirty days. Yeah. So there is a. There is a, a, a channel there that we can that we can work with, um, and 
you know, Samaritans are there to help people to cope with their emotional problems. Yeah. Um, and that's what we do, regardless of the means of doing it. Um, so, therefore, in a sense, it, it, it doesn't really matter if, that it's not the same person because we're all, as they say, singing from the same hymn sheet, I suppose, going, mm-hmm. back, to the, going back to the religious bit. <laughs> um, which I didn't really mean to do because <laughs> we're not a religious okay. organisation. Okay. Um, but, you know, we, we have those standards that we work with. And I think the important thing as well is to say that as volunteers, we all care very much. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I, 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 I understand yeah, it. Yeah. I understand the way it works. It makes it makes sense that you're doing it that way. Um, uh, I guess maybe there's just just the 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 the, the, the depersonalized aspect mm. of it might be yeah. might be an issue. It's not um, for everybody. Yeah, it's not for everybody. And um, that's why we have the phone. And one of the things you stress is that you're not a, a counselling service, are you? No. No, indeed, we're not a counselling service. Uh, we're not there to give advice mm. um, because. You know, although we we have people with a medical background, with an mm-hmm. education background, with a social whatever, that we're not there as that. We are there as Samaritans. It, yeah. Would it would it be fair to say it, it is more a case of, which is why it's good to justify this, is to say that you're more like a a a, a, a pocket of information to to sort of push them in the right direction to get where they need to be. So maybe if it's they've got a more long term problem, you can send them to. You know, a hospital or, what, or or to the right people, or is it just the case of, you know, you just want them to to get, you know, to cope better? Uh, is it that? Is it just that, or um, most? Well, a lot of our callers will have already gone down those channels. Yes, and that's a fair not point. Had the satisfaction where they feel that they're coping. Mm-hmm. So when they ring us, they've tried all these different things, yeah. and and they can be in a pretty desperate state. We give them the space. They, they talk to us and we listen. Yeah. We can ask open-ended questions and, and sort of you know, talk through what they're going through, but we don't ever advise them. Occasionally we'll signpost, if, if, you know, if it's a child, we'll signpost into child line, something like that. Yeah. But it's their time, and you can have, sometimes have a three-hour call where you're saying very little, really, but at the end of it, the person will say, thank you for your advice, Yeah. so much mm. better. We've got. We've mm. given them no advice, <laughs> but we've given them at the time that nobody else. Uh, can give them. How how often I feel better after ranting? I've not. You know, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Like uh, sometimes I just need to. You know, the phrase "get it off your chest." Yes. It really sometimes yeah. is as simple as that. Yeah. Um, so no, I totally understand it, and I guess the reason I'm asking you that is not to criticise, it's just to clarify what your role is, because um, I think it's a very important one, as we say. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, um, uh, are you here to mention? I mean, obviously, you made a very good point when I said World Suicide Day, which was when was World Suicide Day? That it was, was last month. Last tenth of yeah. September, yes. I think it was. All right, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, I have to say, World Suicide Day has various different dates through the year, <laughs> <laughs> so depending on whereabouts you are. I, I joked, Ricky. World. Ricky was a guest on my podcast uh, on Monday, and uh, we released it yesterday. And I made that very same joke yes. that I it yes. ca- like a a a. a, a a look really in to say one of the things that frustrates me is that why do we always need to feel the need to make a day for everything because as you quite pointed out when i said well when was world suicide day and you said this off air which i thought was a great response was you know to us world suicide day is every day because yeah, you know yeah. and i think you're spot on which is why you know part of when they say you know like black history month or or um mental health week or whatever it may be you know i kind of I get why people do it, but hopefully maybe one day we reach a point where we don't need to do it because it's in the general consensus of society. Hopefully, that would be very, very To a useful. point where we've raised that much awareness that 
it's we aware, don't need to it's have aware, an awareness yeah. week, yeah, because it's already everyone's aware of it. Yeah. Yes, and I think I mean it's it, it's one of these things. It's quite useful for sort of focusing fundraising issues on, yeah, and just yeah. getting out that key information to key people uh, at the time. But so far as we're concerned, we are there to to support people who are, who are in um, emotional crisis in some some shape or form, and some people just need to talk. Some people just need. Mm-hmm. You know, we we get quite a number of 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 calls from people who are just lonely. Yeah. Um, perhaps older people who who maybe don't see somebody anybody else Society, for twenty four yeah. or forty eight hours, mm-hmm. and we're a voice at the end of the phone, and we will give people that that you know the time that they need to a certain extent. Um, it's you know when you're talking in depth about your life. 20 minutes is exhausting. Yeah. I was going to ask you about loneliness, actually, because it's mm. it's sort of been on the news recently, but I guess it, it hasn't been news to, to, to your organisation, has it, really? No. It's no, always been prevalent. Yeah. Yes, yes, it has. And, I mean, just one or two of the sort of statistics, which, you know, one has to gather these things because because that's the way in which, you know, we can, mm. we can get money and things like that. But, um, you know, loneliness... Um, something like about 30 plus percent of people who contact us yeah. say that they're lonely mm. awesome well it's been really really fun like well <laughs> i mean fun in the nicest way it's just like you know it's like it's a very it's a very serious subject but, it's all right we but, know that but, but, but part of the but part of the reason what i mean by fun is that um you know i, I for one um you know as I say, I appreciate what you guys do as a service, and and to get it more widely acknowledged and understood is obviously very important. But what I would say is that it's just really, really nice to kind of to to clarify some things and to let people be aware of what it is you guys do. Because maybe mm-hmm. as much as everyone knows what Samaritans is, they don't necessarily know what yeah, what yeah. what stuff that mm-hmm. they do. Yeah. There's one quick thing I wanted to ask before you go is to just say you know because obviously we had to talk about mental health, but does Samaritans? Are you guys all trained to to do every aspect of stuff, not just mental health? Is it can is it a number of different things? Yeah, yeah, um, yes. yeah. yeah. We are trained to listen. Yes, um, and whatever uh, the whatever, whatever the whatever thing is, yeah, is, we're there to listen. We're there to to, to guide, uh, to help, to be supportive. Awesome. Regardless of the, of the issue. Yes, which is a, I thought is worth worth suggesting considering you're on a mental health show that it's not just mental health that you guys no. cover. Um, just but repeat that number, yes, you? I was just Please, you, yeah. you know you read my mind because I was about to say before we go, could you could you just reiterate the number before okay. we leave? It's one one six one two three. If you want to email, it's joe at samaritans dot org, and if you want to text, it's zero seven seven two five. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot, guys, for coming in. I really appreciate it. That was uh, Caroline and Pat from Tyneside Samaritans. I got it right this time. (laughs) (laughs) My dyslexia let me do it. Um, But huge thanks, guys, for coming in. Have a great day, and thanks for that. And keep up the keep up the work. I really appreciate it. Thanks again. Thank you, guys. Right. uh, Thanks a lot, guys. That was uh, Caroline and Pat from, as I say, Tyneside Samaritans. And I hope that um, if you guys, anyone who is listening to this, who has any any bad feelings or whatnot, I do actively encourage that you, you ring that number and they're, they're, they're here to support you guys as much as possible. Um, but as I say, we're going to take a break right now and they're going to be back with Mental Health News with Sophie. But this is The Beach Boys with I Get Around and you're listening to Mentally Sound right here on Gravity Radio North East. Hi guys, welcome back to Mentally Sound right here on Gravity Radio North East. That was, of course, The Cure with Friday I'm In Love, which is appropriate because it's Friday and I'm in love. 
with Ricky. <laughs> I, I just thought it would be funny with Sophia yeah, that I was going to call you. I'm going to say I'm in love with you. Yes, we've um, declared it finally. We, yeah, we've declared Secrets it. Secrets out, guys. Well, the, 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 that's sort of an in-joke, which I'll explain why, is because uh, I was very blessed to have... Uh, I'm not religious, but I just feel the need to say that. Ricky was kind enough to be a guest on my podcast there uh, this week, and I joked with him that, you know how you're supposed to not you say to people... You know, don't don't say to a woman what our age is. Well, I said that at one point, and Ricky went, "I'm in Sadie's age," and I was really shocked that I went, "You don't look it," and it just sounded like I was coming on to him. But then, but then so, we got on to skin cream, if you remember. Yes, so, uh, we went on to moist, making yeah. sure. Uh, basically, Rick, if you see a picture of Ricky, moisturise is the key point in this. Uh, <laughs> you're too kind. Anyway, but as uh, usual uh, in every show we've done, if you if you're a regular listener, listener to the show, if you're not, one one of the sections we do in the show is we talk about mental health news. And I'm delighted to see my co-host from the last show, Sophie, is here to talk about the news. Hello, Sophie. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How have you been since I last saw you at the show? How have um, things been? Great. Um, I've started my journalism course, mm-hmm. um, so that's three weeks in now, and I'm really, really enjoying it. Excellent. Um, as you say, you uh, you were talking just before we start went back on air that you've been dabbling in a bit of radio. At the, is it at Spark? I'm yes, assuming. I have, yes. Yeah, uh, you um, said you didn't enjoy the what was in particular you didn't like? <laughs> um, I think it's just trying to hold a show for quite a long time. Yeah. But, um, You've got to have one of the, you know, I like kind of, uh, whenever I do a show or a stream or a podcast, you know, you do kind of like have to de-stress because the energy level you go through, so you have to consistently be, yeah. be up and, and, and yeah. energetic. And I don't think people are aware of what energy you need to kind of hold the show mm-hmm. together. It takes a lot out of you here. Yeah. It's not for everybody, but I mean, do you like the? I'm assuming you like the radio aspect anyway, because oh, I mean, yeah, you're part of this, obviously. Love the radio, yeah. yeah. Um, but as I say, I thought with Ricky's usually does the mental health news, so with you guys on it, I thought we'd fire away and you guys can have a have sure. a chat. So, uh, do you have a first subject, Soph? Um So the first subject we're going to talk about is World Mental Health Day, um, and that is happening tomorrow, um, so the 10th of October. Um, and the theme this year is dignity in mental health. Um, some of the other themes that have been included are schizophrenia, older adults and depression, um, but this year the focus is going to be on dignity because it is a really, really important thing. Um, it's been hosted by the World Federation of Mental Health and the Mental Health Foundation in the UK are helping with it. Um, and essentially the ethos is that there is an awareness of what can be done to ensure people with mental health problems um, can live with dignity. Mm-hmm. Um and I was reading that they're doing something called Tea and Talk. Um, mm-hmm. They hold it every year. Um, but it's basically what it says on the cup. Um, <laughs> get together for a cup of tea and basically just talk. Um, and they can also donate to the foundation as well. <laughs> you said that so brilliantly, Sophie. Also, well, segue, wasn't it? My, my, uh, my joke was going to be, we're playing golf. <laughs> you just tee off. like. A, but no, you. I just love the fact you said what it says on the cup. That was there, great. So. You were, that was so brilliant. I was not expecting it. That was brilliant. Thank you for making me laugh, Sophie. But no, in all seriousness, <laughs> it, that sounds like that sounds like really cool. So what? how can you get involved? Is, there, is this all over the place? Um, you can do it. I mean, they don't specifically have it for one day because obviously mental yeah. health affects everyone uh-huh. every day. But... Um, you basically you basically sit down and have a cup of tea. It's basically just encouraging yeah, people to talk, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, you you can donate, but um, they specify that you don't just have to do it tomorrow. You can mm-hmm. do it any day. Yeah. 
I mean, also as well, doesn't it kick off Mental Health Week? Because it's that week as well, isn't it? I, I, I believe is it's next week in Mental Health Week. Am I, I right in saying believe that? So. I think it's usually, Mental Health Awareness Week. Yeah, yeah yes, Awareness yeah. Week. Yeah, I'm saying that. That's so usually mental. It, that that kicks off the week of it. Yeah. So I think it's this week. So you know, there'll be, there'll be a bunch of stuff happening throughout that week that you can. Pro- I, I know you can go on Mental Health Awareness Week site and they put a bunch of um, places you can go, like yeah. particular events and whatnot. It's important worth noting as well. Last year we were aware I met a lot of people involved with with this radio show yes. and Mental Health Northeast because there was a, a day held in Newcastle around the monument. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we haven't got that this year because of the rugby that's been going on. So rugby, you know, rugby ruins everything. Let's yeah. just be honest. Yeah, let's let's <laughs> damn against rugby for the rest of the show. <laughs> this is where Sophie goes. I love rugby. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I do like rugby. Ah, there you so. go. There you go. I just, but mental I can, health is more important. Look at me. Obviously. I've got I've got internal sen- I've got internal senses. <laughs> I just am aware that Sophie was just like upset with my comments. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's cool. Um, so is there? Uh, so yeah, no, I do. I, um, in all seriousness, like I have, I am, um, I, I did stuff for my podcast last year for Mental Health Awareness Week. Mm. Um, I do actively encourage people. I know me and Ricky talked about on my last podcast about post-traumatic stress disorder and various other yeah. things mm-hmm. um, you can, we also did a really good one with uh, Marty who's been on the show and um, mm-hmm. that's on YouTube so people can look at some of the stuff I've done for it but yeah no, there's a bunch of different people doing some great stuff yeah. for it so. yeah I mean I'll be blogging um, about yes, it as well so. exactly yeah so um, uh, there's, a, there's a hashtag isn't there you, that people use on Twitter is it just Mental Health Awareness Week isn't it I'm assuming um, something there, like will, there will be various um, uh, hashtags on Twitter uh, well H- World Mental Health is obviously WH yeah in my brain I'm doing the same thing for mental health awareness week is mental health M-H-A-W but I think the awareness week is the full word yeah it might be something like that my hope is and I think it's fair to educational guess this is to say that it'll be it'll be trending at some point so I can remember trending last year it was pretty big yeah um, so that's cool. Uh, what else is on the agenda? Have you got any uh, in terms of news? Is there um, any... We're also going to be talking about the Bootham Park Hospital closure. And oh yeah, we touched on that. We, we, sh- we yeah, we uh, we did. Probably David. the biggest news to hit. Yeah, our David. Region, David yeah. touched on this earlier, and I forgot mm-hmm. to say we were going to talk about it in this segment. So yeah, is there anything more about that? Um, well, obviously, as you know from the podcast, it's York's only psychiatric hospital, or was, um, yes. and it was closed on the thirtieth of September mm-hmm. um, after a CQC inspection. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously it impacts on the northeast, not just kind of Yorkshire, um, because our very own trust have taken over the running of the Vale of York Mental Health Services yeah. as of October the 1st, um, including Bootham Hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's also patients that have had to kind of move out as well, um, and some have been moved to beds in the northeast, which is again putting yeah. pressure. Yeah, I heard Middlesbrough. Yeah. Yeah. They are putting pressure on beds up here as well because obviously there is a shortage of beds up here anyway. For I mean, them. you know, I mean, as someone who's been in a psychiatric ward, I was in the one in Morpeth and I was there for two months. And I remember during that period of time, the even while I was in there, they were talking about how difficult it was to keep open. So you know, yeah. and what what flabbergasted me about that statement is, you know, there's. I think when I was there, my memory's obviously a bit hazy during that period of time, but I'm pretty sure there was something like about 12 beds in there, not even that. Because obviously it's meant to be secluded for obvious reasons and... And th- th- when I was there, there was, a st- you know, I constant, consistently got told one, one of the reasons they kind of want you to get as well as quick as possible, even if you're not 
ready to yeah. is because of the demand. Yeah, so there what is freaks such a me out is, you know, yeah. Oh definitely. god, yeah. I mean, when you think about the amount, you know, I guess just a very basic point before we move on is to, from my point of view, is to say there's not enough basic beds for people outside of mental health. So the yeah. idea of that there's not enough for people who have a mental health problem and, and that kind of thing. In that well, this very, relates to a previous uh, item we did on kids in crisis. You recall a few yeah. shows back? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. touched on. Yes, that's. A good I think, point, and, yeah. and it's important because we talked from we talked to Sally, who was a mother of. Uh, a vulnerable child who's gone through autism and bullying and self-harm who was locked away hundreds of miles away. And this is, we're talking about Yorkshire again. And this is the thing with families having to travel hundreds of miles to see their kids. Yeah, I can remember watching that documentary and yeah. it was just harrowing to see mm. parents having to travel that far away. Well, just even with adults, adults depend on families that, yeah, visiting as well, course, don't they? Yeah. So, mm. mm-hmm, definitely. No, it's 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 it it frustrates me to keep hearing this, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, when we had um, the CEO on, uh, you know, uh, in the in the parts that he did in the series, it, it it was touching on the fact that it's often claimed, and you know, you you'll know this in politics as well, as it, it's very often said that we're going to try and 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 give as much money as possible to mental health the same as and treat it the same as physical health yeah. and yet you hear that and you think great as if give, it, it, it almost get, leads to false hope this is the thing mm. that worries me is that we always get this false hope that it's going to be the same and then you find yourself thinking oh is it going to be that way or are they just saying that because the next thing you hear is that they're closing yet another hospital and you yeah. think well surely the only way it's going to become an evil, even playing field is by keeping these very things open yeah. but mm. you I, keep I think we are pushing closed. forward with parity of esteem between physical health and mental health but mm. there obviously is still a long long way to go but, all, but then I guess the, the, to, divert, to, to diversify that comment is to say it seems that we're getting better in a kind of metaphorical sense, but yeah. in a literal practical sense, we seem to be going behind again, which I, I, I get the point I'm making is it would be nice that it's more understood, but yeah. more practically dealt with at, well, at the same time. Well, that's what these days are for, really, aren't they? Yeah, World exactly, health, yeah. 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 Health awareness mm-hmm. week, we touched said, on this before you got yeah. in, in the last previous segment. We said it would be nice to not have a mental awareness week. It would just be that everyone's aware of it. Yeah. I think it's a good oh, way yeah, of, of looking agree, at yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, um, awesome. Is there anything, anything else uh, you want to focus on? Uh, no. No, but um, I have been told to introduce an interview with Mental Health Matters. Um, it's a recorded yes. interview with Victoria and Helen McKay, the CEO of Mental Health Matters. Awesome, yes, that's the next segment. So, yeah, well, um, thanks a lot for coming on, Sophie. Thank you, um, no that, that was really, really uh, interesting. And obviously, um, I look for, hopefully you'll be involved in some other shows. In, yes, I am. Um, Just to end that on Booth and Park, there is a petition online, apparently. So, yes, and uh, the, yes. the closure. Yeah, yeah. the, the new um, Shadow Health. Uh, Shadow Mental Health Minister Luciana Berger is also going to raise it in Parliament, apparently. So yes, oh, well, that's that's a great thing mm. to hear. Okay, yeah, I'll actively encourage people to sign that then, yep. if that's what really? they want. Uh, as uh, thanks, Sophie, so much for coming on. No um, and as I say, she mentioned this is Helen McKay. Uh, this is Victoria interviewing Helen McKay from Mental Health Matters, and you're listening to Mentally Sound right here on Broward Radio North East. Thanks, Sophie. Much Thank appreciated. You. My name's Victoria. I'm with Mentally Sound at Gravity Radio Northeast, and today I'm with uh, Helen, who is the Chief Executive at Mental Health Matters. And first question I would like to pose to you, Helen, is could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your history and your current role? Gosh, it's 28 years since I've been in MHM. Um, I joined as an admin worker. I believed no understanding of mental health and no knowledge of mental health. I was incredibly lucky to be uh, involved with carers and some very, very skilled individuals. And I took opportunities along the way 
that were offered to me in terms of um, developing HR systems, policy procedure systems, operation systems, governance systems. And four years ago, our Board of Trustees appointed me as the Chief Exec. Thank you. So what would you say is the moment that you're most proud of during your time at Mental Health Matters? There are many, many um, proud moments. Our recent proud moment was securing and mobilising Talking Matters Northumberland, which is a talking therapy service. My proudest moment could be um, developing our first national service. My proudest moment recently could be um, helping the voices of the people that use our services in North Tyneside to secure that service as it was going out to, um, to closure. So it sounds like there's a lot of positive stuff going on around MHM. Could you tell us a little bit about the history of uh, the organisation and where you sort of stand currently? Yeah, it's 31-year-old. It was started by a group of carers. 20 years ago when I joined, there were three services and there was very little housing services, day services or any real service for mental health in Newcastle. It was a Newcastle-based organisation and we're very proud of our northeast roots. It had 26 self-help groups. When Care in the Community came along in the early 90s, we kind of blossomed along with other organisations and some fantastic organisations in the country and in the northeast that uh, believe in and develop great mental health services. From there, in 2007-2008, we decided to take the services and the models that we had nationally and we were incredibly successful in securing services in other parts of the country. In 2008-2009, we developed talking therapy services. So we went from being a social care organisation, providing housing, employment, helpline, day services, advocacy services, into those services as well as talking therapies. And now we have a healthy mix of health and social care services. It sounds like a huge amount of progress, particularly the change from starting, as you say, with families and carers 30 years ago being very local to a journey into national services. And according to the website, um, 60,000 people plus that you're assisting and working with. Um, Where would you say are the losses and the gains to be found in terms of expansion of that level from the northeast to a national body? I think the positives... As individuals and as organisations, we learn and we help shape models for the future. So, for example, where our roots will always be mental health, we're also involved in people with with long-term conditions, people with learning disabilities, people with complex needs, supporting people to live as independently as they can in their local communities. That's fantastic. But for a small organisation to become a national organisation, it's very difficult to maintain the values and ethos of an organisation based in the North East to have services in Kent, to have services in Warrington, to have services in South East Stafford. Fantastic, thank you. So, um, as many of our listeners will know, the 10th of October is World Mental Health Day, so I'd like to talk to you about that a little bit. So, what does World Mental Health Day mean to you, to MHM, to the North East, and of course, beyond? It's a fantastic opportunity to profile, highlight mental health. It should not be the only opportunity. It's a great opportunity for organisations, whether they are NHS, voluntary sector, small community development organisations, to come together, involving, hopefully leading by people with mental health needs, to talk about mental health and to raise to people's attention that mental health is, is everybody's health 
and it's about actually this is this is the life we live now do you feel that uh, days such as world mental health day uh, when you compare them to things such as suicide prevention week and the various you know bipolar events and various things like that do you feel they all compete or do you feel they work together coherently very well raising awareness or do you think there's perhaps um simply too many of them and you know we should focus perhaps a bit more where do you sort of see it all fitting in good question um, and, and your first statement about sui- suicide prevention week and this mental health day, there is an opportunity of, of coordinating a world focus on mental health and life. Um, depression, schizophrenia, long-term conditions. There is opportunities and there's some fantastic events going on across the world. MHM, along with other organisations, are involved with things that happen across the world as well as the UK. It would be fantastic if we had a golden thread running right the way across. I know that the theme should create the golden thread. My personal opinion is, why do we need to highlight dignity? Dignity should be for every day, for every person. It's shameful that we have to say the theme is dignity because everybody should have dignity. Everybody should be treated with dignity and with respect whether they have a mental health need or not. I very much agree with you, and I think a lot of our listeners would be the same, that perhaps there is an element of tokenism in the theme of dignity, that it is one of these buzzwords when, in fact, it should be a right, and entitlement, something that we all have regardless, as you say, of mental health issues or not. I think you're right. I think it is a right mm. and entitlement. I think it's right for World Mental Health Day to promote the fact that the majority of people with mental health needs are not treated with dignity. But it's a shame in today's society that we have to do that. It should be the common right of everyone. Do you think perhaps it could have a dual meaning in terms of, like you said, um, promoting that people with mental health issues should have dignity? Or if we take it and own it, could it be used to perhaps promote that we already have dignity and we are shouting that to the world, that, look, we stand here, we have our dignity. Whether you see it or not, we see it. Could it be spun like that, do you think? Absolutely, absolutely. And again, if you look at, at uh, events across the world, there are, there are many interpretations of dignity. Mm-hmm. And how we collect that, those interpretations and uh, define those interpretations will be fantastic for, to raise the voice of people with mental health needs. So what would you like to see as a, a future theme? What do you think would fit as a suitable future theme for World Mental Health Day? I would like to see a a golden thread of a theme running throughout the year, which culminates in a world theme of mental health. It is us, it is now, it is happening. It isn't isn't a group of select people or elite people. Everybody has mental health needs. And it's about about normalising people's mental health needs. That's not taking away people that have severe and enduring mental health it's no disrespect, but it's everybody has a mental health need. And that recognition. 20 years ago when I joined the organisation, as I said, I didn't believe I had a knowledge of mental health. But actually, my mum had mental health needs. My mum had uh, was on happy pills for 15 years. It's really working in this organisation that I've started to recognise that, actually, hang on a minute, mental health was right the way through my life. It is a karma that I've come here. Is it just by chance that I've come to this organisation? People have mental health needs, whether you recognise them or not. 
So where do you see the future for World Mental Health Day, for Mental Health Matters and, of course, for yourself? It will be fantastic if World Health Organisation, the World Mental Health uh, Foundation, the Mental Health Foundation Trust in the UK and the larger organisations and the smaller organisations come together and have one voice absolutely led by people that use mental health services and need mental health services coordinated. For MHM, the world is our oyster. We have a range of aspirations that we're living up to. We have a range of challenges, economic challenges, uh, challenges for truly meeting the needs of the people that we serve because we're here to serve people with mental health needs and people with learning disabilities, um, long-term conditions. It would be a fantastic opportunity if organisations look at developing trusted relationships. So again, we can provide a seam-free service, rather duplication of service or massive gaps. And at the moment, there are massive gaps. Obviously, it's World Mental Health Day. How do you see it as an international event? Or do you see it as, you know, an excuse for lots of, of local events or you know, individual national events. Do you see the countries working together in any way within your work? Yes. Um, MHM have been very, very lucky to be involved in organisations across 14 different countries to look at how we can work together and learn from one another. World Mental Health Day gives a fantastic opportunity for organisations across the world to work together to learn and share experiences. And there are many, many opportunities to do that. Just uh, to finish off, Helen, um, how do people find out more? Uh, websites, blogs, social media? What, where would you direct our listeners to learn more about World Mental Health Day or Mental Health Matters? If you are able to access the internet, Google World Mental Health Day. And there's massive amounts going on. Big uh, World Mental Health Day event going on in North Tyneside. Go to our website, www.mentalhealthmatters.com. Uh, massive amounts going on in Twitter. Search World Mental Health Day on Twitter. There's loads of information. Fantastic organisations in this area, Mental Health Concern, Launchpad are actively involved. You have, in different parts, you've got Richmond Fellowship, you've got Rethink, you've got other organisations that's promoting World Mental Health Day. For us, can I just mention, we have a opening of a cafe in uh, Newcastle, it's called it's Oasis Park Cafe in Critters Park. It's opening Boxing Day. It's our third year of opening. We've successfully secured sponsorship from Hayne Kilner Solicitors, and it's open from 8 o'clock in the morning till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Anybody that wishes to come along for a, some company, some warmth, uh, Christmas meal, or even just a breakfast buddy, you're more than welcome. It's, everything is free the more the merrier. Fantastic. I really hope that our listeners are able to take advantage of that. Sounds uh, fantastic. Uh, just to remind people that event that Helen mentioned in North Tyneside is at Colour Courts on the 9th of October from 11 o'clock until 8 o'clock in the evening. And there is a variety of entertainment events and food available. Uh, if anyone wants to get in touch, they want to pose a question regarding World Mental Health Day or anything that uh, our guest Helen McKay has said about Mental Health Matters, then the email for the studio is mentallysoundradio, all one word, at gmail.com. 
and we are here at Gravity Radio Northeast. I'm Victoria. Thank you very much to our guest, Helen McKay from Mental Health Matters. Uh, it's been fantastic to speak to a chief executive who is so open, so honest, and has such positive things to say about what's going on now and about the future of mental health. Thank you. Thank you, for uh, thank you to Victoria and thank you so much for um, Helen for agreeing to do that interview. Um, I hope it helped people as much. And as uh, Victoria said, you can contact us through the email she just mentioned. But we're back in the studio right here on Mentally Sound at Gravity Radio Northeast. And we have another guest. It's Guest City Ricky <laughs> here right now. It's just it's like a conveyor belt of guests right now. Uh, and I'm sorry to keep him waiting. He's been here since the beginning of the show, but we've been trying to crowbar, like, crowbar in uh, uh, as much as we can. I'm delighted to say uh, Mark Charlesworth, am I saying your surname correct? That's Charlesworth. Correct, yep, yep. Uh, is he out to join us? Hello, sir. Welcome Hello to the show. Hi. Uh, how are you doing? Are you well? Uh, pleasure to be here. It seems the most <laughs> appropriate thing to say is how are you in a mentally sound show. Um, but that is as normal can be. Yes. Yeah. Whatever normal is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you had to talk about the fact that you have a, a recruitment agency, which sounds very, very interesting. Do you want to tell yep. people more about that? Yes, yeah, um, well, I'll start from the beginning. Uh, I have mental health disabilities myself. Okay. Um, ADHD, uh, autistic traits, frontal lobe syndrome, frontal lobe epilepsy, previously pre PTSD and depression and so on. Uh, and I struggled in and out of uh, with employment. Mm-hmm. Um, and as professional as and as nice as all the agencies have been, there's just this gap uh, for, mm. for people with mental health mm-hmm. disabilities. Uh, and so I decided to set up a recruitment agency which specialises in uh, helping people with mental health disabilities uh, find paid employment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a traditional recruitment agency in, in the sense of um, you know, you'd register with us, uh, with, with the candidates that, uh, as a candidate, we would then look with, uh, to find you employment with mm-hmm. the, the uh, clients that we have. Uh, we're in contact with a lot of employers. Um, and through a recent telemarketing um, uh, approach, um, 50% uh, uh, are quite interested in, in the idea. I've uh, mm-hmm. not heard of this sort of thing before, and they think it's a good idea. Yep. Um, I think in the past, a lot of employers, um, they're just not... They're well-meaning, but they're not sure how to approach it. Um, I was about to ask, yeah. how receptive have they been to this? Uh, yeah, they're very, yeah, they're very mm. receptive. I've had quite a good hit, uh, rate on the, uh, the mm-hmm. website, uh, and, and um, where I've been talking to people... Uh, yeah, I think oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's uh, right. interesting. Yeah. Do you think there's an element of there's a couple of questions that jump at me when you say that? Is that mm-hmm. one of the things is that very often when you say that you have a mental health problem, it's kind of you kind of perceive differently. And I guess the the the, the question I want to ask, which I guess is maybe part of the problem in this, is mm-hmm. to is is to if you make a recruitment agency that says that you're specifically for mental health, it's almost um, separating us from other people, so you know, it's and and it can be perceived as that we're wanting to be different when very often we want to just be accepted for being part of society. If that makes sense, so I guess to clarify that that's not really what you're doing in a sense. It's just kind of yeah, I, more. I could, I could have set up as a, a charity, yes, uh, mm-hmm. and there's plenty of funding out there, mm-hmm. but um, you know, we are normal. Yeah, <laughs> we're just programmed a little bit differently. That's all, um, and. We're very productive. There's an untapped sales force, uh, workforce out there. Um, for example, in, in the IT, in the creative industries, autism, mm-hmm. the, the, those sort of industries are already open to the idea mm-hmm. of people with you mm-hmm. know, autism um, and, and other uh, issues. 
Um, and, and so, um, I guess it's more of a case of acknowledging it. Would you say it's more of a case of of, of acknowledging that that this problem exists and just saying, being upfront about it, and go, look, this is a part of life. Is that more fair to? Yes, to yeah, say? That, 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 that's um, how it is. And, and and part of the issue, I think, from employers are very well meaning, and when they've got two candidates in front of them, one has a mental health disability, the other one doesn't. Hmm. Um, in a lot of cases, the person's with a mental disability doesn't, doesn't always declare that they have. Mm-hmm. Also, um, because they're frightened to do so, mm-hmm. that they're going to get discriminated against and not turned. Yep. But, for example, if, if you have autism, it's like the interview process. If you are asked an open question, say, oh, tell me about yourself, somebody with autism, for example, will not really be able to respond very well to that. Yeah. But if you said, right, what did you do in your last job, they'll answer perfectly. Uh, very, very specific questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it, it's, it's all the way through the process. It's from advertising the job uh, to, to the interview process, uh, and then when you, you, you dis- when you're then employed. Um, for example, I have ADHD, um, and if you put my desk near a door or a window, I'm not going to be very productive. <laughs> yeah. So I just need to move somewhere yeah. else. Mm. Um, and once you've declared that uh, particular issue, uh, and uh, that, that, that we can work with that, and, and once. Um, we, we, we do an assessment of the workplace and of the, the uh, successful candidate to make sure both parties um, are productive as possible uh, and the um, successful candidate is, is safe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because it, this is quite ironic because me, me and Ricky were talking about this on my podcast about, um, about how interviews in a sense... Or in, in interview situations very often yeah. are not practical in the sense of determining whether a person is good at a job. And yeah, what I mean by that is, is because we can, were talking about anxiety. You know, if you come in, yeah, if you come into an interview environment, the, 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 the example we gave, which I thought was interesting, we debated this on the podcast, was to say, you know, if you go in and you have a, if, if you have anxious and have panic attacks, mm-hmm. it's assumed you're going to be that in the job setting, yeah. or actually yeah, the, exactly. the setting yeah. where actually the setting of wanting to get a job is what's giving you the anxiety. So you're being discriminated against in an environment that isn't the same environment that would be in in your job. So it kind of proves to me that interviews are not really a good way of establishing whether anyone's good. They're very generic and they're not always Because ultimately it needs to come down to, is a person good at the job? You know, because you made a very good point there, is if you had someone with exactly the same set of skills and they they admitted very courageously that they had a mental health problem. Uh-huh. And that was the reason they didn't get it over a person who had a skilled thing. Who's to say that the person who has a skilled thing didn't say they had a mental health problem and they end up doing it? Or yeah. they could something else go wrong in their life and they stop coming to work. Yeah. It doesn't mean that one person is less productive or better at a job just because mental health, the word mental health, is included in a document. Yeah. Have you see what I mean? Yeah. And you're making a really, really good point, which I think is not stressed enough, is you need to specialise helping them in the environment they're in. You know, yeah. so if you're saying, like, if a person procrastinates by looking out of a window, then move the desk away from the window and they could be just as productive. Yep. But you could have exactly. someone without a mental health problem who is the same way, who just is watching yeah. people mm-hmm. go by well, and not being For example, in, in a job that I did uh, a few years ago, I was working in Bradford, uh, I was assessing insurance claims, and I would get through eight a day, yeah. my colleagues would get through 12 a day, and the only reason, the only difference was, it was because I knew in a week's time when um, we were underwriting, and, and, and so if the bank came back and said, "Why did you make that decision?" 
uh, I'd have to justify it. So yep. I made sure when I typed up my notes, I proofread and proofread and proofread because I knew when they came back to me, I might forget a couple of things, and I had to be exactly, you know, exact with the detail. Yeah. So it took me a little bit longer because I was proofreading. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So never, nobody ever came back to me <laughs> mm. uh, to, to question anything because yeah. it was there, the details were there, the accuracy was there. It just took me a little bit longer just mm. to. Proofread. The reason why it's, it, 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 I, I feel so strongly about it is because I know that the work that I the work that I do I know that I have a talent for but but the but what, one of the 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 odd that occasionally that comes across is if you don't do the work as quickly as someone it's regarded as not the same level of ability and that's what frustrates me is because some of yes. the time I can't do it because I'm not mentally able to I'm not capable to do it as fast as they want to um, and that's something that I think. You know, with I run a business right now with the idea of that eventually I'm going to want to hire people. So yeah. I have this perception of I would never really judge someone from saying, you know, I don't think it's fair to judge someone on saying that I can't, you know, I'm not in a, you know, and I guess the, this is what's leading me to ask you this. Do you think people who employ people should be more, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, more sympathetic towards someone with mental health issues that maybe... Because I make the argument of there's probably more people out there with a lack of mental health who actually take more days off than someone with mental health. Yes, yeah. It, it, it has it, that been, actually is more... Yeah, yeah, I've seen statistics yeah, that you say see, that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. yeah that people... Because uh, you know about your, the issues that you're going to so have. So you go, I need you, to take this day off because I'm not well. Strategies. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So you, you, you work around that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so you know uh, what's going to happen. Whereas then. a person who isn't aware of what they've got to go through will it's take more expected. days off because they can't cope. So it's easy for an employer to plan around things. Yeah. And in the creative industry, do you feel that when, like, say, for example, designers, artists... They don't get merited on their body of work, for example, because you know they've admitted before about their their own mental health problems. So their body of work doesn't stand for itself in a way. They've admitted something which could you know neglect them in in other workplaces. Yeah, you know? I think in the creative industry that the and, and IT as well, um, because I keep going back to autism, uh, but because they see that the world in a slightly different way. Yeah. Um, it, 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 um, they're open to that idea and and, and they're. Those those sort of employers are looking for that end result, whether it be the website or yeah. uh, whether it be um, a computer system yeah. or something. That, you know, I, I talk of personal experience in a way because I'm a I'm a graphic designer, yeah. and I've always often felt that when I've seen other candidates, my work is as good. And, you know, it's not a gloating thing, but because no. I've admitted, I've always been honest about my own issues. And, and, and so everybody should. And be, that's yeah. been kind of you know a barrier from me sort of progressing there. So I think what you're doing is absolutely brilliant if you're providing that, you know, opening the door for people to get their foot in the door. Yeah, it's just uh, that, that bridge between mm. um, the employer and, and the agency. One other little thing, um, sometimes if you've got anxiety issues or depression, mm. you may have worked solidly for 10 years, mm. but you've job hopped. Yeah. That is seen as negative uh, to a lot of employers and agencies, as professional as the owners, as nice the other agencies are. Um, that's my little disclaimer, they are nice. Mm. <laughs> and they are good and professional. Um, but they say, obviously, you've job hop, you've never really stayed anywhere. Mm. So are you going to stay there? Well, obviously, the reason is because if you've got a mental health disability, um, sometimes it's, it's not being diagnosed for the first couple of years, and when it is diagnosed, uh, some other things might crop up. 
um, but you've worked solidly, more or less, for, you know, for those ten years. Mm -hmm. So you are loyal. You're a worker. You you, mm -hmm. you want to work. Um, so there's no reason why not to be taking that person on. Absolutely. Uh, as long as there's a reason for it, and you know what it is. Mm. Why not? Let, mm. let's, ha let's have real people in the workplace. As I say, I think not if just you clones and robots. Is it? Do you? Do, I mean, because just from my perspective, to me, it makes much more of a simple sense to me is if you acknowledge that someone has a problem because we all have problems we yep. all have some <laughs> yeah. we all have something in our lives that whether it be you know it, it, it goes beyond mental health issues it could be that you you know you, you're a single parent and need to find someone to look after your kid or whatever it may be and surely it makes much more sense being an employer or somebody to be understanding towards that because you're going to get more productivity out of them in the long run doing yeah, that and, and the, the productivity yeah. increase loyalty yeah and, and so and on and so forth it yeah. just really disappoints me when and I've had arguments with people who are dear to me who, who who make what I regard as very ignorant comments in regard to this where you know I had a friend of mine who said oh there's a guy at work he's took he's took five days and I, I called him out on this because he was like oh he's took yeah. five days off he's been coming in saying he's feeling really down and and he came back and he just he like the, the story goes he walked into his office uh -huh. and said to his boss I'm not quite ready to come back yet. I've seen my doctor today, and I said I'd try. And I was like, my first thought was good for him for trying. Yeah, at least he's, he's trying. Yeah, at least he's, he's trying. Yeah, he came in, he tried. He was honest and said to his boss, I don't feel he's quite right. The phone yeah, and, I don't feel yeah. quite right. And his boss went, no problem. You know, there's no issue. And my friend told me this thinking I was going to go, you know, I don't know what he was thinking. But he told me this and just went, it's ridiculous. Because he then... Pat, like crowbarred that to say well I don't get time off of the same amount and I'm going but you don't have a problem like you don't, yeah. you don't have a problem and you get a set amount of days off and like and I went how many days off does that guy take if he didn't say he had a problem and he's like oh he's in all the time and I'm like because yeah. and I went I bet you and I, I don't know the person but I bet there's an element of most people who have a mental health problem who are like that, I'm like this when I run my own business and it's I am lucky I've got my own hours to worry about but yeah. I I feel so guilty about taking time off yeah. i've said this to ricky <laughs> i've said this to ricky I, I, like and i consider ricky yeah. a friend now and it's like i said this to him the other day where i was like i cannot take time off because i just feel so like i'm letting like not just me yeah. down but everyone else mm -hmm. down because i'm like i'm not doing any work and it's like the, the people are going to judge me for doing that because i'm literally just taking a day where i'm not doing anything because i need to do that but, I'm so glad you mentioned this, yeah. Stephen, because the last time I had a, a real breakdown at work was when a, a colleague called me, sort of nicknamed me Half Day, or How Are You Half Day, because I happened to have a real bad anxiety attack yeah. that morning. Uh, and I just thought, how how rubbish of you to, to, to say that, you know? You don't know what it's like. Yeah. Um, as you say, if we can get that in the workplace, it's because, the same way it's we do because, physical. Yeah. You know? it, is a, it is a work, uh, I find, and I'm generalising this because it's not in all cases, but I think for the most part... It's that when you have a mental health problem and it's in a work environment mm. like that, they compare it to as if it's like a real life environment, like yeah. it's a real life situation. So they'll claim that, oh, well, I should get the same deal where like the, the point I'm making yeah. is there'll be a person who thinks they're depressed and you say, like, I've had days where I can't cope and they'll mm. go, well, I've had days like that, you know, no, not realizing that realize, you have yeah, a yeah. real pro like yeah. I'm not saying what they went through is not bad, but like I had, I had, when I was in hospital. In a psychiatric ward, I, I can't. I, I, know, I wasn't going to bring this up, but but I, this is a great example of what we're just talking about. I had a friend who came to see me in hospital. I was in a psychiatric ward. Yeah. I'd signed a document to say I was no longer a citizen. I can't. W couldn't walk out the door without getting permission off the people that work there. Uh -huh. I was in a four by four meter room, and I said, 
and I was giving medication that ultimately I found out was killing me. Mm. And I, a friend came to see me, and I explained what my days were like that I had. I was paralyzed in my bed because of the medication I was taking. It was affecting my body. Yeah. And a friend turned to me in that scenario of, of what I just described and went, I've had days like that where I've had a couple of days in bed because of I broke up with my long-term boyfriend or whatever. And I'm going, that is, mm. I, I, what, how is she comparing that to my situation where I've been ill for six months and I'm in yeah. a situation yeah. where I'm fighting for my life? And part- it's because that they have an ignorance factor of thinking that pain, the pain level makes it that they're going through exactly the same yeah, thing yeah. Um, and it's just not part of the issue as well um, I think the Equality Act's a fantastic thing Yes, but I think in a lot of cases it's been misunderstood or misread Yeah, equality is not about treating everybody the same um, equality uh, is about giving everyone equal opportunity Yes, mm-hmm. you're quite right um, and, and, and so in, in whatever ca- you know, capacity or sense that is whether mm-hmm. it be gender, your race Mm-hmm. Marital status, uh-huh. uh, disability, including mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you're right. It kind yeah. of implies that like we have to treat everyone exactly the same. Yep. And, yeah, yeah, and it's, it's not it's that. Not, it shouldn't be that at all. You're right. Yeah. The equal opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. That we all um, should get the same privileges and the same rights and the same. Yeah. yeah. Well, we don't celebrate we individuality do. by doing that, no. do we? No. no. Well, then that's that's the that's what I think this show. I'm hoping one, yeah. of the, one of the main crooks of what we talk about Definitely. is to say, we said this throughout this show in particular, mm-hmm. is it never gets treated as an individual case. And that's what I wanted to ask you. Do you think, for your experiences of doing your recruitment agency, is that it, it really is treating people as individuals on an individual case-by-case basis? Um, you find that the most... I mean, we are quite new, uh, yeah. just the last few months. Um, but yeah, anybody that comes to the door, uh, whether it be an employer or um, an employ- uh, you know, a candidate... Mm-hmm. Um, Everybody's treated as an individual. Mm-hmm. For the same uh, respect, the same standards. Yes, yeah. 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 Um, and I, celebrating I, people being open and honest of what they, they yes, have. Yes, yeah. yeah. I, I want to hear uh, what their issues yeah. are or were. Um, uh, and so that, yeah, you, you're going to struggle to get back to work or, mm. or, or find work. You need to be treated as an individual mm. and find a package, Definitely. as it were, suitable to you. Definitely. Um, it may be they're not things the jobs on the, the books aren't suitable for that individual mm. uh, and, and nor do, should any individual be forced to work yeah. uh, it's always ultimately their decision if they're work ready um, but yeah we, 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 we tailor everything and make sure we work around them not mm-hmm. just a number mm-hmm. awesome everyone's assigned a number mm-hmm. <laughs> just, for, just for admin purposes um, but you know we use their name and, and when we mm-hmm. treat them individually yeah um, no that's great so uh, thanks for thanks for coming in. It's been really fun talking Thank to you. Thank you for having um, me. Do you, Enjoy. You, you obviously touched on that. You've got a you know you've got an agency. Where can people find you? You got a website or anything like that? Yeah, it's charlestyne.co.uk. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an office based in Blythe, but we cover Northumberland, North Tyneside, South Tyneside, uh, and Wearside. Nice. Um, I, I, I'm just thinking it might be sort of useful for me. I've been talking to you. I'm like, it might be useful because I'm in a situation well, right now. I'm in a situation right now where I'm live on the radio. Yeah. You agree to a contract? Yeah, yeah. No, no, but it's just like I'm like thinking, you know, because I have a, I have such a, I have such a. I, I'm not. I, I hope Ricky would back me up on this. I have a unique set of skills, so I'm like kind of thinking. <laughs> and um, as I pass him the ten pound note, um, uh, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Stephen. Uh, but no, um, and 
And at the minute, my circumstances are that I'm on sick. I, I got given compensation money for what I went through, so I, uh-huh. I'm, I'm not. I'm I'm on sick benefit basically, so yeah. I'm not really allowed to work for a considerable period of time. Uh-huh. But obviously, when that changes, you know, I'm going to need to figure out what I want to do and, and all that yeah. kind of thing. So, no, I was just thinking as you're reading that, you know, because it, it, it legitimately. Well, we we, I'll we admit have as well is, contacts with other agencies and networks. Yeah, yeah. That um, if somebody's either not worked because of their uh, disabilities or issues. Um, or they've been out works and they need to refresh mm-hmm. their skills. We have contact with different agents, so whether uh, yeah. they go on little courses, whether it be online or yeah. visit somewhere, yeah. uh, an office somewhere. Do you, so is there temping as well? Um, at the moment, it's just permanent employment. Permanent, right. We yeah. are, as we expand, uh, going to offer temporary employment. Right. But I think, um, I, 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 I think in, in, I think there's an ethic, th- an ethical thing here. If just Permanent, permanent employment. Mm. Um, I think there is there is a general market uh, for temporary employment, mm. uh, which is uh, growing good. Um, but I think um, permanent employment. Uh, I think that it should should only be really considered at the moment. Okay. Um, cool. Well, thank you so much for thank, thanks, Mark, for coming on. That's great. I thought yeah, actually you. the crowbar in because you're here now. Do you want to yeah. come? Do you want to jump on? Yeah. Because um, we have another guest here, so I thought we could do that and set. Kill two birds in one stone. Thank you, Mark. Uh, thanks, Mark, for coming on. Uh, we highly encourage that you. Re- um, are you on? Um, you, are you on Twitter as well? Um, um, I am. I can't oh, really I remember yeah. my uh, uh, at. Is it Child, Child Time REC? Child Time Rep or Recruitment? Sure if you go on the website, you'll find all that information. Uh, I'm yes, assuming on your on website. There, yeah. yeah. So I would encourage you to go on their website on his website. And uh, thanks for coming in, Mark. Much appreciated. Thank you. Um, right, new guest, name and position. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do it like an interview technique now. Uh, hi, um, um, welcome to the show. Um, do you want to say your name and where you're from? <laughs> uh, I'm Danny Bowman, uh-huh. and I'm originally from up here. Up here, yeah. Heaven. Yeah, heaven. <laughs> Anik, I think, country. wasn't it? Anik, you yeah. told me last time. Anik. Yeah, Anik, Anik. So you know, God's country. Uh-huh. God's country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, God was from Yorkshire, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I was obviously kidding. I know who you are, and, and you're obviously. Um, it says in my notes that you're a mental is a mental health minister. Is that the right way of saying it? It says in my notes. No, I'm a mental campaigner. Campaigner. It says minister me, in my. If you offer me a minister, yeah, yeah. Mouth, I was I'll like, I thought you would. He is preaching mental health to the world, um, which is a good thing. But um, yeah, no. Um, so, uh, do you want to have a? Do you want to talk to us a little bit wider about what some of the stuff that you do? What I do is I've um, a, two years ago, I uh, went uh, global with mm-hmm. my uh, campaign. Mm-hmm. And it was all based around body dysmorphic disorder, uh, and I suffered from body dysmorphic disorder for a long time, and uh, it was very, very difficult. So I wanted to spread, you know, a word about it. And then within the media, they they sort of labelled me as a as the world's first selfie addict, and uh, and sort of captured that, and uh, and then that's sort of how I go. But now I'm really focusing on uh, getting getting the government. To, uh, to create a Minister for Mental Health mm-hmm. and trying to get, you know, better outcomes for people with mental health difficulties. Well, are you meaning as far as to say, like, to have a representative in the House of Commons and all that kind of Definitely, thing? Definitely. Um, obviously, seen recently we've got the shadow Minister yes. for Mental Health. We've got Luciana Berger. She's lovely. Yes. Um, but we need a Minister for Mental Health in the government. Yes. That's what we're I totally agree with you. Because yeah. I find it, like, sort of, you know, we're joking about religion, but, you know, isn't there... Um, seats reserved for religious 
you know, for the well, if you look at the lobbyists, they've got people from all sorts and everywhere. Yeah, I mean, to think that mental health isn't in there, it's just like sort of implied that we all have a, a vote of where they end up going. But we don't. In that case of how we're represented in the House of Commons, it's all like exactly. seats designated to certain industries and societies and communities. Yeah. And it's just like, mm. hang on a minute, you know, we all, we mm. should we should really have more of a say in that. I feel, but um, so I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit more about um, uh, my dyslexia is making that really hard to see? You said body dysmorphia. Body Did I get that right? Yeah, Could you yeah. describe a little bit more about what yeah. that is? Um, well, body dysmorphia disorder is an illness um, that makes you uh, critique every part of your appearance. So, with me, it was my skin and uh, my nose and quite a lot, but. The idea of body smoke disorder, it's not just about looking in the mirror one day and thinking you're having a bad day. It is literally, you think you're so ugly. And in my case, if I was so ugly that I couldn't even leave the house for six months. Um, yeah, I was going to say when you said yeah. critique, it was negative, I'm assuming, for yeah, all, negative, the most part. Trying yeah, trying to critique every part. Um, mm. I took, well, 200 selfies a day. And... Uh, it's funny because when people yeah. say selfies, they assume that you have some, you know, it's assumed you have some sort of ego, but you're saying it was the opposite. It was the complete opposite. Yeah. And this is what I tried to get across was that for me, taking the pictures was not about saying, look at me. It was about actually looking at my appearance, zooming in, seeing what comments I could get, see what people thought. But actually, two months in, I stopped posting on social media and started just critiquing and zooming in on every little part of my image. Was it almost like a, a search to find a, a photograph you were, you were so you couldn't think that anymore? Was it sort yeah, of find it was, a, it was to find the, the perfect, perfect, perfect photograph. So you can't um, criticise it anymore? Because I know that feeling with yeah, definitely. being down about, about things as you... Negative thoughts as you... You, yeah. you want to find something that makes you go, I can't argue that. So imagine it's just, a, it sounds definitely. to me like a photo-sensitive version of that. Like Definitely. Um, um, which, oh, that sounds like Was hell. it when you reached the 200 selfie mark that you realised then that there was something seriously wrong here? Um, well, actually, it got to the 200 selfie mark a day and, and mm. it kept going, kept going, kept going. And actually, when I reached that 200 selfie mark, I actually, I'm not about to say, I tried to take my own life. Yeah. Um, because it was just so awful. And I imagine two hundred yeah. dates, two hundred like selfies well. and stuff. Was yeah. it sort of? Is it fair to say it was taking over your life? Taking over my life. I, I spent six months housebound. Mm-hmm. I uh, dropped out of school mm-hmm. for six months, and uh, and the whole I, idea of it as well. It was ten hours a day of looking at yourself in the yeah. mirror and moisturizing and mm-hmm. trying to get and reading magazines, trying to get the best look and. You know, to the point where I wasn't even leaving the house, and I didn't leave the house for six months. I think it was That's really, terrible. really, you know, awful. I mean, it wasn't just the fact that I had to watch reruns of The Real Housewives. It was <laughs> actually that, seriously, this was a problem. I'm and glad you brought that up because yeah. I'm assuming because we've had people with anorexia on the show before, yeah. which is has a similar, you know, I imagine torture with the way society yeah, portrays people. Yeah. And I'm obviously, I imagine you understand what I'm about to ask you is, mm. is that in that situation, not only are you taking photos of yourself and feel terrible about yourself in that sense, but it must be terrible to see the Kim Kardashians of the world and whatnot who are manipulating themselves to look as beautiful as possible, and mm. yet you're in your position of you've got the body and the type you are, yeah. and, and you're looking at yourself. So it must be terrible to, to see all these supposed yeah. perfect examples of people in the in magazines and whatnot so yeah. did that not help i'm assuming it was i mean kind of traumatizing i, I, think, I think it's always i mean i grew up with two sisters so mm. vogue and al and, and all them <laughs> yeah. were regularly in the house 
Um, My sister must have been weird because she wasn't that at all. (laughs) (laughs) In a good good way. (laughs) It's a good way, yeah, definitely. Um, And, you know, you see your Kim Kardashians of the world and it's not that... I think for me it was when I was seeing, you know, men who had perfectly ripped bodies and, and, and perfect skin and that's what I wanted to achieve because I thought that was the way to get people to like me yeah. and, and be accepted into uh, in society. But I think there's a big issue now and the thing that worries me is the 13, 14 and 15 year olds or the 11, 12 year olds mm. growing up in, in this age and really seeing these images of of, of people like Kim Kardashian and saying, I had to look like that. That's what I was going to ask. Do you think we have a problem in society now where we get these subliminal messages of how young people in particular, who are at a very vulnerable age like you were, have to aspire to, to look that way then? Definitely. I mean, you know, you just need to walk down, I mean, just Elden Square yeah. through there. You walk down, what do you have? You have Hollister, mm-hmm. you have New Luck, mm-hmm. you know, you yeah, yeah. further down, you have Debenhams. Every single one of them has an image of someone who is either topless, yeah. you know, especially Hollister. Um, Why are everyone bringing me up? Was <laughs> 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 that one time? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just being so mean. Um, <laughs> I just, I'm just lighting the mute. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, because he was topless, and uh, the one time. Um, <laughs> but you know, you see these images, and you think there's, there's, there's young kids walking through that every single day and they're seeing their images and thinking, I need to look like that. These people are famous. These people are earning money. These people are, you know, getting modeling campaigns. I want to look like that so I'm accepted in my peer group. And yeah. I think that's one of the hardest things that young people... Which really, if you've got a peer group like that, you don't mm-hmm. really have proper friends, really, because you really want people who are just going to accept you for who you are because mm-hmm. one of the reasons... One of the reasons, you know, I consider I consider everyone part of this. Like, you know, I I, I like people, like you know, and, and and I've got to know Ricky and Sophie a little bit, and and I'm friends with Wayne behind. You know, I've been friends with Wayne for a long time. He's part of the show, and Gareth I met out before this. And one of the reasons I love people is that that their individuality is what makes them different to me. You know, and yeah. I, I, what I find the most ridiculous. I think it's kind of a good way of ending of ending this thing is to say. I find it really, really ridiculous that people always want to have friends who are similar to themselves because that's actually the worst thing you can do mm. because it reinforces what you already think about yeah. things. Mm. So if I go to someone like Ricky and say, we've had debates, it's not yeah. arguments. Me and Ricky have had debates and he's occasionally said, but what about this? And this happens in the show where I go, mm. oh, I never thought of that. Mm. That is someone who is useful to have around because two of my oldest friends they annoy the hell out of me sometimes because they've got the most ridiculous opinions in my opinion but occasionally I'll say something where they'll go that's complete rubbish and then explain to me why that's wrong and I'll go actually they've got a fair but they've got a fair point yeah. and it's it always baffles me when you get friends who go oh he's not a friend because he, he argued with me the other day and he upset me and that really and I'm like you, it sounds like to me is, you've got a proper yeah. friend there because a friend who shouldn't be afraid of saying I don't actually think what you said's right or yeah or whatever it, mm. it's not about reinforcing mm. what you already think cause yeah we don't we, we, knowing you're in ignorance really is the kind mm. of point i'm making no no um, definitely um and one thing i want to touch on there you're talking about people with different views yes so w- what i want to see is in the house of commons we need to see unity on mental health definitely we need to see unity between different parties all working together if you're labor if you're conservative if you're liberal we need to see unity and the, the reason things have gone wrong in the past and the reason people aren't getting helped or getting supported is because we don't have that unity. And yeah. I would encourage 
House Commons, everyone in the House Commons to, to get together if you're, you know, from Newcastle or London or wherever and work together. Do you think mental health gets too politicised at times? Is it kicked around like a mental health football? Definitely. I mean, if you think it's it, think in the election, I mean, you've got the Liberals saying one thing and then they see mm. the Liberals saying one thing, so the Conservatives are now going to say something, then the Conservatives say something, so yeah. Labour have to say something. Yeah. And it's not a political football. These are people's lives that yeah. are suffering. People are committing suicide yeah. over mental health. This is not a joke. You need to make sure that these people, and talk about equal opportunities, we need mm. to make sure people have the opportunity to work again and get out into their community mm. and do stuff. And well, it's just, just yeah. like um, we just, when we talk, we just talked to Mark in that interview there, I think similar to what we're just talking about now is that it's not just about getting equal opportunity, it's also like getting this, the same treatment for everyone, you know, the same mm. chance to get the same treatment because, mm. you know, you often find in situations that one person gets more access to mm. stuff than another and that's something that bothers me because I don't like the idea of someone going through the same thing I did but not getting the same access that I did or, or, yeah. or the other way around, you know? Well, the issue that we're having with mental health is that the mental health is falling, people with mental health issues are falling further and further behind. Yeah. And yeah. I think everyone should have the same shot at everything. Yeah, exactly. I, believe, I don't believe people should get tested for I think everyone should have the opportunity to have a shot at a better life, you know, a better chance. Yeah. And the problem totally. is what we're getting is people with mental health issues mm. are falling through the cracks. Yeah. And we need to... We need a to short-term problem becomes a long-term problem. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You could, I, couldn't, I couldn't have said that any better. That's awesome. Um, where can people find you? Do you, are, you on, are you on internet? Uh, yeah. Other, uh, than in, other than in this room right don't now. Don't take selfies, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's... that's uh, yeah, that's... I, I'm, I'm not one to take selfies anyway, so the, you know, actively yeah. discouraged me even more to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, well, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, it's Danny Bowman ten. Okay. Um, and you that's B O W B O W M A N. Yeah. Um, Danny with a Y. Yeah. And if you search, I'm sure if you search "world's first selfie edit," you'll I'll pop up my ugly mug. will pop up. Oh. It'll come into the screen. You know, it's close to Halloween, so. Yeah, that's, that's that's harsh. But uh, but you know fair. what? You know, let's work together. And yeah. what, a, what a great way radio show! What a great radio show! And what great hosts! Thanks, man. Thank I really you, appreciate man. it. Thanks appreciate for coming it. on. And uh, that's it. We're done. Uh, thank you for the extra time. Thanks, to the guys Danny. at Gravity Radio, because we we started about ten, fifteen, twenty minutes late, whatever it was. So huge thank you for them letting us be on until half four ish. Uh, we need to go. Apologies. Uh, I think we didn't play the Richard Ingram thing, so I apologise for that. We'll make sure that's on next week's show. Um, It's because we've had so many live guests, we didn't want to disappoint anyone who was here right now. So that's it. We're done for this episode of Mentally Sound Show 8. Thanks, Ricky, for being such a great co-host. Thank you. Um, You can check out Ricky on my podcast right now on Geek Apocalypse uh, Podcast. Uh, He was a guest on the show. We talk about post-traumatic stress disorder and a bunch of other things, so please do that. Follow me on Twitter, which is at geek underscore apocalypse. Ricky is at vividricky. You want to follow him on Twitter. And, of course, you can follow this show at at underscore mentally sound if you're on Twitter. And we're also on Facebook. Mentally sound on Facebook as well. Uh, awesome! This has been super, super fun. Uh, thank you so much, uh, John Lennon. If you're alive, if you were, if he was alive today, it would have been 75. So that's uh, big, big up on John Lennon. We played some songs. He didn't endorse today. what we're doing. Yes, of course he, he yeah. would. Um, just imagine. <laughs> um, Brilliant. But yes, yeah, so um, obviously, please support Mental Health Awareness Week that's happening this week, and obviously, um, World uh, Health Day is tomorrow. Um, so please do support um, as much as you can uh, I've been Stephen, Ricky, huge thanks to everyone who's been part of Mentally Sound this show and to uh, play us out, it's Dolly Parton with Working Nine till five. <laughs>